0: Get it going! It's time to get up. The Montreal Canadiens outshoot the Vancouver Canucks
1: 45 to 24 and win five to one.
0: These guys are here to break it all down.
2: Your assessment of your team's performance? Very poor. What was most
3: concerning for you? Oh, we
2: just had a lot of players that didn't play very well. Yeah, Mo
0: that team sure did suck last night.
2: Uh you're gonna have stinkers? They just played sucks. We deserved exactly what we got tonight.
3: Well, I've seen teams suck
0: before, but they were the suckiest bunch of sucks that ever sucked. Canucks in a song.
2: Hello, darkness, my old friend.
0: This is the starting lineup. Here's James Sabalski and Perry Solkowski.
1: Well, there's a hell of a start. What is what a what is with the March 11? right becoming an annual thing uh rise and shine metro vancouver this is thursday march 11th this is the starting lineup here on your home of the canucks sportsnet 650 james sabolsky here perry solkowski there greg Balak on the other side of the glass kicking it with you until nine o'clock this morning on 650 on the am dial here across vancouver in the lower mainland on hd3 uh, at 96.9, or shout out to everybody listening on the Sportsnet app. Dunbar Lumber text line always open for business at 650. 650. Get those submissions in. Canucks in a song. What sort of funky vibe sums up last night's performance on the ice? And don't forget, you can also find us on Twitter at Sportsnet 650. All right. Before we get to the doom and gloom pair of what Yo. we saw last night on the ice at Rogers Arena, man, it was like. It was like, throwback to January, everybody. Uh, how about this one year ago today, man? It was kind of the day that the world shut down. Like, this is almost, this is happy not-so-anniversary one year ago tonight. Uh, the world changed as we kind of know it effectively for all of us.
4: Yeah, and and good call. Let's go there first because for three hours we're going to have to extrapolate from we sucked. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> Yeah, and you know what, James? Um, It was so different in so many ways because, you know, we talked about yesterday was the the last game the Canucks have played. I was at Rogers Arena. We both kind of had some big events that were planned that week. It's a busy time of year for sports events, and and it was the telethon that night I was hosting with Rintool. And, you know, so you heard the rumblings as to, I wonder how this is going to play out. And in conversations with people in the Canucks organization, and I can remember, okay, it was the fist bump, it was the hesitation, some people still wanted to shake your hand. And it just thought, well, you know, one of the organization members said, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna hope for the best, prepare for the worst. But I think the worst at that point for so many people was hey, they might have to shut sports down for a couple of weeks here. Um, and it was a, a banquet. Sports BC was having a banquet on this night. And you're going, I don't, are, you, are you gathering people? And I'm looking at the phone going, this is their big fundraiser. Are we going to get together and celebrate? And they made a very late call that day to say, pull the plug. But who would have thought, pal, here we are a year later, still waiting and, and hoping in the summertime, but um, it's, it's just shocking and, and maybe I had a conversation with, it's so we're so used to it, but it's just shocking still to watch these games with no one in attendance. You were you were at a big event this night.
1: I, I was at a, the probably the last official mass gathering in Vancouver um, on this day a year ago, and that was the JCC sports dinner. And Drew Brees was the special guest, and I was hosting a fireside chat with Brees, and there was a thousand people at a hotel at the corner of Burrard and Georgia. And you walk in and, man, you know, it was funny to think just a month prior or less than a month prior, I had come back from a trip to Tokyo in Japan where we went skiing mm. in Hakuba. And had, I, had we got back probably a week and a half later, we would have been quarantining for two weeks. So we just kind of beat that by, you know, <laughs> by a hair. And then on this March 11th, get to the event And it was at that stage where are you shaking hands? Are you doing, oh, hey, there's been news stories about, hey, people in Wuhan, China, are they're, they're tapping their feet. That's Or or do you give them the elbow shake or, or whatever, right? And there was that sort of awkward, uh, are we there, are we not? You know, and, and so every place setting that night, Perry, had a bottle of hand sanitizer, a little mini bottle of hand sanitizer, which were really hard to find by this point, right? At this time, all of a sudden, toilet paper was gone, hand sanitizer was gone. And it's like, what's happening here? And... The event started, and as I walked to my table setting, Dan Riccio came running over to me. I'll never forget it. Riccio came running over, and he said, the NBA just shut down. Rudy Gobert tested positive for COVID-19. The players were just pulled off the court immediately. And it's like, holy crap, this is is happening. Now, keep in mind, Pierre, we had just finished up the rugby sevens three days in advance, right? Mm -hmm. 40,000 people at BC Place, back-to-back days. And here's Riccio saying, man, the NBA just walked off. They're shutting it down. Another 30 seconds after that, somebody walks over and they said, Donald Trump just closed the borders. They shut down international travel in America. And it's like, wow, America just closed the doors? What? Trump did something progressive? (laughs) At that moment. And then 30 seconds after that, somebody comes running over and says, Tom Hanks has coronavirus, and I'm like, oh, my God, Forrest Gump is going to die here, right? You're looking at just the impact of this, and it's like, whoa, like, that's a lot to process in the last 90 seconds, and I'm looking in this room with a 1,000 people around me going, what the hell am I doing here? And I'm supposed to fly to Denver, Colorado for a Canucks and Avs game the next day because of this promotion, and I'm going, there is no way in hell that I am getting on a plane and go to America right now because they're probably closing the borders and I'm not going to be able to get back. And how do you explain that? So thankfully that got canceled. And, you know, as the night kind of went, it was a nice escape for a couple of hours. But Pear, there was that sort of moment like, I don't think we're going to see anybody for a while. I think things are going to be shut down. And we came in the next day, and we waited for the NHL to kind of follow suit as slowly but surely MLB and tennis and so on and so forth. They yeah. all kind of started following suit. Like the But the NBA, Rudy Gobert, man, the unexpected hero, I guess, if you will.
4: Well, and, and, and the trickle-down effect. Uh, you know, My daughter's boyfriend plays in the NLL, so on that night you're doing the event, I'm seeing this happen. He's here, and and he's supposed to jump on a plane the next day to go play out east. And I just said, what's going on? He goes, we got an email. Everybody's got to be at the airport tomorrow. I go, you're not playing. And he goes, no, we're supposed to play. I go, trust me, you are not playing. Your league's just, you know, it's going to take some time. But then, of course, you know, 24 hours later, he did not go. But then you get into the tracing factor. He had just played at Scotiabank Arena in Toronto that weekend. Now, Gobert had just played against the Raptors. There was only like a two- or three-day little miss. And he had just gone to visit his, his grandparents when he came back from the game on the weekend. I go, okay, so let's just start connecting the dots. And we knew nothing really about this. to Go, okay, if someone had it here, you could get it. Because at this point, actually, Vancouver Canuck, call him what you will. I like to call him Chase, but Jace Horlach was playing in in Los Angeles. That was the last NHL game. L.A. against Ottawa was the last game that we had. And there were a couple of players who had tested positive, and And uh, Jace was one of them, right, when this whole thing started. So... It's amazing. Here we sit, so many people working from home. And, uh, you know, just to watch a clip that they played last night in the game and they showed the last game, it's just, you think, wow. Well, Perry, here it is.
1: Here here it is. uh, Rudy Gobert, like one year ago today. This is how it sounded uh, on the NBA Hardwood.
0: The fans here in the arena don't know what's going on. We don't know what's going on. And so... As soon as we get
1: any kind of information, we will certainly pass it along. So ready the, for the game playoffs. tonight has been
2: postponed. You are all safe. And
5: take your time in leaving the arena tonight and do so in an orderly fashion. Thank you for coming out
1: tonight. Well, I can think about that. Like, what the hell? Like, yeah. You can hear the screaming. Right? You're Just, all safe. Yeah, you're all safe. But, like, you know, everybody exit. Single file, but that's that was the night, man. That was like hearing that news, there was just that feeling of whoa, what am I doing here? Uh, well I
4: remember you telling me you talked to Drew Brees and I was like he was not bothered by anything like this would affect him in
1: any way. No, and, form, right? and yeah, no. He was you know, they people were asking him, like, Hey, what's you know, what's your feeling here? And and are you okay with people shaking hands with you or, you know, we'll keep your distance? You know, and the organizers were you know, they wanted him to feel comfortable. And you know there was a whole thought like, "Is he even gonna come here and he was he was totally cool like he he was of the mindset, man, I am fine, I am all good with this and I remember thinking I was at that point and I tried to avoid shaking hands. Outside outside of Drew Brees at the end of the event on the stage in front of everybody, I get this big, firm handshake. And I remember just thinking to myself, I need to wash my hand as soon as I sit down because this guy has been shaking hands with everybody. So one year ago today. Um well, that was a nice distraction for a moment. That may be the most positive saw. part
4: yes. of our show. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no.
1: okay. Yeah. Where so ahead. Sorry. okay, so, look, last night it was harkening back to the to the days of what? Late January pair, uh early Feb where this was the ugliest loss I think we've seen for the Vancouver Canucks. I I would say they got spanked by the Jets about a week and a half ago. But that's probably the first real clunker since that Leafs 5-1 thrashing on Saturday night on Hockey Night in Canada where we had the very now infamous JT Miller, Braden Holpe sort of confrontation on the ice. But man, just a terrible, terrible night that when you look at the math now, hey, look, you're not going to win every game, but pair your five points back at the halves with five games in hand for Montreal. The Oilers pick up a dominant win last night. They're now eight points clear with two games in hand. The Jets with five games in hand and a seven-point cushion. I think the genuine consensus has to be it is time to sell for this team after last night.
4: Well, I'm not going to go that far. They probably were the better team for four shifts, I think, in the second period. Uh, You know, you start the late game, and I think they had iced the puck three times in the first two minutes because uh, right from the get-go, the Montreal Canadiens were the better hockey team. They were the hockey team that wanted it more. And even when the Canucks weren't winning, they were playing better than they did last night. So should it have been expected? And I almost got the sense in the fan base over the last two days, they felt... In a wrong manner, in my viewpoint, that it, last night was kind of house money. Hey, we came back, we stole that one late, we got our two points, but the Habscape won, so Montreal leaves and heads heads over the mountains with three, you know, three points in their back pocket out of the possible four, and and now they've got another point in the five games in hand uh, on the Canucks. I, I don't, I don't think James, you can go one game, sixty minutes. Okay, we're selling. They've got the Edmonton Oilers. Let's see if they can bounce back. But as you'll hear in all post game clips. Really wasn't tough to read the room and to get a how was the effort to a man. Everybody absolutely out competed and outplayed by their opposition yesterday,
1: just never really in it, right? Just never no. really in it. Uh, overwhelmingly outshot, what 16 4 in the first. Uh, and, and you know what, Thatcher Demco, he, he kept this team in it, kept them in it. Uh, the backbreaker coming on the power play for Shea Weber, right, and that and he makes it a three-one game. Um, you know, Demko facing forty-five shots, but uh, you know, here is you know Travis Green last night. He did not mince words, and you know, he has tried to protect this team. He has tried to deflect and shield, and you know what? He didn't sugarcoat this at all. He didn't try to polish a turd up in any way, shape, or form when asked about his assessment of last night's game. Very poor, what was most concerning for you?
2: oh we just had a lot of players that didn't play very well
1: simple right I mean you listen to the details he was kind of he was kind of blunt he was kind of matter of fact didn't really elaborate a whole lot, but that was Travis Green man guys sucked right they were poor and they were. It was- yeah,
4: it was similar to me in some sense of what we saw in some of those games. We can talk about the the effect and how well they played in the bubble. But listen, I mean, Thatcher Demko doesn't play like he does. They're not in those games. And I think when you lose a game, what are you missing? Well, I wish we would have had. In a game like yesterday where they didn't deserve to be within a goal, and yet they were for the longest time, you, you need something special to happen. Credit Brock Besser. Whoa. What a howitzer he let fly on that uh, on the power play. An absolute perfect shot. Only matched by Shea Weber. But you kind of go, okay, we're hanging around. Is there anybody on the ice who might do something special just because they have that skill set? And the answer was no. And you know the one guy who could pull it off, even if P.D. struggled at some point, he still can jump over the boards and just do something when he gets that one opportunity. They missed him. He wouldn't have been the difference. And now, James, I'll tell you this. You know, Thatcher Demko has faced more shots than anybody else in the NHL, even though he hasn't played as many games as other goalies. Do you wonder, do you automatically say Thatcher Demko's playing again on Saturday, Demko yep. is playing until he's dead yep. tired, or does Travis Green think, oh, uh, hopefully for a break and make sure we get it from Ottawa?
1: A lot of hockey is great. Are you, are you going to make a case to rest uh, Thatcher Demko with an extra day off on Saturday night?
4: Well, it, it, I think it's a thought process. I would not rest him. I would have played him the back-to-back against Winnipeg. Thatcher Demko was going to play for as long as he wants. He talked last night about this, though. Okay, you face more shots than anybody. Are you physically getting tired? Here's what Demko had to say.
1: Uh, okay, we don't have that Maybe clip uh, have that. handy to us. But, you know, I, I look, I, I kind of lay, I, the way the schedule kind of lays out here for the Canucks pair is if they play... They have two days off here now. They're a full day off for the team today. They don't play tomorrow, so they get an extra day off in the sked, which when you hear the players these days, man, that makes a huge difference. So they play Saturday, then they play Monday in Ottawa, then Wednesday in Ottawa again, and then they go Friday, Saturday, back-to-back nights against the Montreal Canadiens. My guess is the way that the schedule shakes down Thatcher Demko is going to play every game Until you get to that back-to-back Against the Montreal Canadiens next weekend Then you've got that week off But I think you're going to see Thatcher Demko He's got an extra day off today But he'll play Saturday He'll play Monday, he'll play Wednesday And then he'll play one of those two Friday or Saturday One of those two back-to-back nights Uh, And then that's when you'll see Braden Holpe You won't see Braden Holtby for at least another week That's my guess
4: yeah, I would say that, uh, I mean, that's what I would do, right? He's got that time off, unless one of those games is a stinker. It, it's not his fault, um, but, it, you know, if he has a tough one, and they, they just, they made stupid mistakes yesterday. I mean, JT Miller making decisions that, to me, the game they played yesterday was similar to how they played Montreal in their first visit here to start the year, the difference being Thatcher Demko was there to bail him out on all the mistakes that they made, but... You know, uh, East Van Tommy challenging me to be positive Perry today. I'll take the challenge, Tommy, not in my Canucks in a song, but how about the challenge in the fact that, James, we talked about this team has to win two of three. They've won four of six. So let's take this six game segment and say, okay, you won four of six games. I'll take that. Now you start again, and it begins on Saturday in Edmonton to see if you can reel off that and stay at that kind of a clip.
1: I just want to go back to something you just said here a moment ago. You can't sit there and talk about JT Miller every night where you praise him. And then he's the reason why they lose. You praise him. He's the reason why they lose. JT Miller wasn't that bad last night. He wasn't the driving force oh. as to why they lost man. That guy dropped no, the gloves, them, right? It made, I mean, he dropped the gloves of Ben Sherratt. And, and hey, look, maybe it sparked the, fl- the, the Habs more than it sparked the Vancouver Canucks. But man, like JT Miller is a driving force next to Thatcher Demko. I would say that JT Miller has been the most important piece for this team on that three-game win streak and why they've won, what, four of the last five going into last night before they absolutely dropped a, a total stink bomb at Rogers Arena. But you can't sit there. like you can't. The first guy you want to call out can't be JT Miller every night when they lose, man.
4: No, I don't call him out every night, but last night when you are a veteran hockey player, you got the puck in your own end. You've got several options, and you decide to play it up the middle give up a great opportunity, have to take a penalty because of that, you're a veteran hockey player. Like, off the boards and out, right? I'm I'm sorry. It's obvious. JT Miller, your star players are going to get the credit when they win, like he has. Great. Play him at center. He's engaged. But there are some dumb mistakes. I'm not saying they lost because of JT Miller. JT Miller had a whole bunch of guys beside him who did just as little, like the fact that he scrapped. Why not? He's into it. But there were still some mistakes yesterday, cross-ice pass. I think, man, JT, like, why has that sunk into your game? Didn't see it a lot last year. It crept in at the beginning. Oh, he wasn't great last night. How can you go JT Miller was really good? I'll get Brock Besser the effort. But JT Miller makes some decisions with the puck. They had disappeared, and I thought last night they crept back into his game.
1: One night, man. It's one night. Like, tell, Let me ask you this. What did you like about Bo Horvat's game last night?
4: Oh, I... I, it's tough to find anyone
1: who you go played well. But the first guy you bring up my point is like every it's He's like it's like a player, d- it's default. Buddy. It's default though, mm. man. It's default sometimes in this market to go, you know, I'm surprised people didn't oh, where where was Tyler Myers last night? You know? Now that said, Tyler Myers was I, a dash, it was a dash three, but it's just it becomes like low hanging fruit. It's the usual suspects, but man, like J T. Miller wasn't the reason why they lost last night.
4: No, but can I can I just gave you a couple examples of what J T. Miller did? with the puck, I can't think of Brock Besser or Bull Horvath throwing it away where it's obvious. to Go, oh, that wasn't the smart play. That's all I'm saying. You're veteran guy. Make you know. Look at Sutter when he's made a mistake. How does a guy like that, who's a veteran, not make the simple play in his own end to get it out. Mm-hmm. J.T. Miller was the guy who made those mistakes in his own end yesterday. So I'm just bringing it up. If Bo Horvat would have made a couple of crazy plays in his own end, I would say, geez, Bo, you weren't great. No one was good, but J.T. Miller's mistakes were a little more obvious. Yeah, take off your number nine jersey today, please.
1: Indian Rocket. We got a salt uh, at 650-650 of the Dunbar-Lumbered text line. There's a lot of salty people. Like People are pissed off at us for talking about the one-year anniversary of COVID. There's Matt in New West, who's all angry, saying, you need to start talking about draft-eligible players. Come on, get your act together. Sheep Homer Optimist. Matt! It's early. The sun's been shining the last few days. He's going after us. Uh Indian Rocket, though, I'm disappointed in this loss. Once again, Captain did not show up. Starts with our leader, and he along with his linemates were a no show. Uh you know, look, Horvat gets the shootout winner against the Habs a couple of nights ago, but Pearman a lot of quiet from the captain. You know, don't you know, just don't see enough from Bo Horvat and I mean Tanner Pearson, I mean you know, the offense that Tanner Pearson brought last year or pretty much the first two seasons here has kind of upped and died here over the last, what, three war- we- three weeks now, man? Like what 1.9 now for Tanner Pearson? Ugh. There is
4: just no creativity. I mean, my goodness, we would be hard-pressed to think of quality chances that they created yesterday. Ugh. You're going to have a bad game, and they were they were terrible last night. And are they going to be that much better? Are they a team that's going to reel off four of six? I doubt it. But it was a terrible night and no one was hiding it last night.
1: Shall, uh, hey, David Amber from Hockey Night in Canada will join us coming up just after 7 o'clock. Uh, Arash Madani also scheduled to join us in the 8 o'clock hour as, man, the CFL making some news in a big way. We'll get to that coming up in just a couple of minutes. But 650, 650, the Dunbar Lumber Text line. We like to play Canucks in a song after each and every Canucks game, win or lose, depending on where your vibe is at. Here's my Canucks in a song this morning, pair. You're kind of doing the math. Matt and New West, I feel like you'll kind of get on board with this song. It's a slow jam from the early 90s, one of my favorite bands when I was in high school. You you had to be on board with these guys because the ladies also enjoyed these guys back in the day. But this Canucks run, when you do the math, and the Habs, five games in hand, five points already as well in the standings, the Oilers with a big cushion, the Jets with a big cushion voice to men's end of the road. To the of the road still it it's a oh, Pear, come to the end of the road of this, this dream, man. They can keep trying to win, but the math just does not tell me that there's still hope right now.
4: Yeah, well, that's you. You're negative today. Uh, I'm going to stay positive for the fact that uh, you won four of six. I I might join you midweek next week, but for me, I, I'm not going there. We've had some tr- trouble with my submissions. Balak, did you get mine? Did it work out for you or no? You did get it. Okay, that's good. Uh, you, I watched the game, and you start icing the puck in the first shift and the next shift, and I, two thoughts. They're going to be terrible tonight. And by the way, this is going to be a three-hour game. We're going to be watching it till midnight because they can't get anything done. And I looked at it, and it was not about the Canucks. It was like the Habs came in and said, you know, a little pink, old school. What about us? Are you ready? Yeah, no answers. They weren't ready. The opposition was. Imagine last night if you had 18,000 in there, 11,000 in the Habs jerseys. Would have enjoyed that one. Maybe a better thing. What about us? And I think people forgot. Oh, the Canucks are great. No, no, no. Montreal's a good hockey team. They proved it for 60 minutes.
1: You know, you brought up what about us. And I got to say this because I'm kind of pissed off at how things went down last night. And how about shame on the NHL for signing off on a time for that game last night? You know, like this, like and and you know what? In fairness, this also kind of falls on my employers on this as well. I still love working here, but this also falls on our on our our hands too, right? When you have an Eastern base team and a market as large as Montreal. Should you really be playing games that start at 11 o'clock Eastern time? I mean, a lot of us complained about an 8 o'clock puck drop here locally. Think about if you were a fan of the Montreal Canadiens in a province that is on a lockdown curfew right now and has been for weeks and weeks and weeks. Maybe the only thing you have going for you for an escape because you've gone through every show on every streaming platform you had And you've got a Montreal Canadiens game to watch and the puck doesn't drop until 11 o'clock at night? Come on, man. Honestly, there's no fans in the stands. There is absolutely zero excuse for that game to have started at that time last night. It is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And how about this? The Montreal Canadiens actually play later on today in Calgary. I'll tell you what. You want a safe bet? Take the Flames tonight. Take the Flames. With the Habs playing a game at a 6 o'clock local puck drop here tonight. I mean, for Montreal Canadiens fans, you're going to watch the Habs play twice in the same day. Like, that game was in the middle of March 11th this morning for the Montreal Canadiens in the wee hours, and they're going to play again later on tonight. That's bananas, Uh, pair. I would think if you
4: would have adjusted the Oilers-Ottawa game and moved that back down one hour to start, cumulatively you would have had better ratings. Just because, yeah, maybe those in Ottawa would have missed the first period and maybe would have been a little difficult for the Oilers. But to your point, you change games all the time. We've seen a couple games start this afternoon, like or this week at 2 or 3 in the afternoon for an adjustment. You're not worried about traffic. You're not worried about people getting getting to the uh, getting to the arena. People are at home. I think a simple move an hour down, you would have had more people watching this hockey game in Montreal. Overall, would have had better ratings. We should be running the network. That is nothing new. And we would have nailed it last night.
1: All right, 26 minutes after 6 o'clock, 6.50, 6.50, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Get your submissions for Canucks in a song. We'll hit the music later on this morning. And also in a moment, is a aspiring defensive player who was cut from the CFL 25 years ago, the most electrifying savior the league now needs? We'll get into that story next right here on your home of the Canucks Net 650.
0: This is the starting lineup with James Cebulski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Here's your Canucks in a song.
1: Love this song back in the day. Kevin with this submission, move along, as it move all those assets, right? All those, all those names possibly bandied about, you know, if Jim Benning was still suggesting, what, last Friday, hey, there was 16 games to go. Well, look, reality is the Canucks just took 4-6 on that stretch, but I think when you look at the math, uh, you needed that one last night against the Montreal Canadiens. Fair pair?
4: Well, anytime you look at the math, which means you're looking at the standings, I've said, you enjoy the games in March, just don't look at the standings. They've won four of six, but the Habs come in here and leave a, you know, a point ahead. So yeah, they needed it, but I, I don't think, I, I'm not shocked, and I, I don't get the sense, too many people on our text line, and Texas joined the conversation, 65650, the Dunbar-Lumber text line. I don't think they're shocked. I think at some point they were due to play poor, and as Travis, Travis Green said, especially if you don't have number 40, I mean, you need someone to do something special when everyone's average or if not below. And they had nothing. Their best player was their goalie. The game could have been 8-1, completely out of hand, if not for Thatcher Demko. But reset, you know, you can, uh, you can invigorate everybody again if you can stop a, an evident team that seems to be getting on a roll again.
1: You know, last night was the first night you said in four games that this team missed Pedersen, right? Like missing PD last night was one. But, you know, you look at the Habs, they come in for a double shot and Montreal takes three out of a possible four points up for grabs. The Canucks left with two and the team they're trying to catch Skates off with one more point than the Canucks did. Just uh, not the finish that this team needed. All right, 634 here on this Thursday morning. James Cebalski, Perry Solkowski kicking it with you. We are the starting lineup here on Sportsnet 650. Let's get into today's edition of Seaball Says.
0: You know, I was like to take this opportunity to talk about myself. Seaball Says on Sportsnet 650.
1: Well, Dwayne Johnson... Mr. Hollywood, or should I say The Rock, has often asked, If you smell what The Rock is cooking. Well, the CFL seems to be taking a whiff of what The Rock is cooking and digging what he's preparing. The biggest buzz surrounding the Canadian Football League since the world effectively had been shut down by COVID-19 happened yesterday with news that the CFL a Canadian tradition, history with over a hundred years, is discussing a collaboration with the XFL, the XFL, which was recently purchased by Dwayne Johnson, his ex wife, and business partner, Danny Garcia, and Redbird Capital. Now, it's somewhat of a full circle sort of move as one of the biggest stars on the planet mingles with the league he once tried out for 25 years ago when he was cut by the Calgary Stampeders. Dwayne Johnson then followed his dad's footsteps into pro wrestling or sports entertainment and evolved into the industry's biggest star, or at least one of them ever The Rock. The allure of having Johnson involved with the Canadian Football League has to be appealing for the league office, right? I mean, for a league that has struggled and struggled and struggled to attract new fans, wouldn't it be a win to have an intergalactic celebrity potentially watching a game in the stands or hanging on the sidelines like a real version of ballers? Of course, it'd be massive, especially from a visual standpoint. Do it for the gram. Right? But just how desperate is this league willing to go with the XFL unsaid collaboration? American expansion failed miserably in the '90s. Shout out to the Las Vegas Posse and the Shreveport Pirates, by the way. And what about traditionalists screaming about the integrity of the Canadian in the Canadian Football League, right? What does this mean? Would it reduce the number of Canadians playing? And what about three-down football? What then? Would less people watch? It needs to be asked. Because, well, BC Place is more empty than it is full nowadays for Lions games. Same scenario in Montreal, and the same in Toronto. A report in the Canadian press earlier this year suggested that the league lost somewhere in the neighborhood of 60 to 80 million in 2020 because of the pandemic. And there's already uncertainty around this season. Now, the XFL has put a spring 2022 start on hold until they at least finish talks with the CFL. Now, there was promise with their version 2.0 last year before they ceased operations because of COVID. The XFL offers a door into a country of $300 million. More money, more exposure, and a major star to open doors, right? The CFL, they offer history, consistency, and tradition. It's a meeting of old school and new school. For a league experiencing declining audiences, this might be the defibrillator that the CFL covets. And for the XFL, this might lend a helping hand to finally find that stability it's failed to convert on in two sets of downs. Now, what all this looks like remains to be seen. But a three-down game in the U.S. market, eh, maybe it could offer something different enough as an alternative to the machine known as the NFL. And what about a great Cup between a Canadian-American team? Personally speaking, no Grey Cup meant more to me that I was emotionally invested in than the 1994 edition at BC Play Stadium when the Lions topped the Baltimore Stallions. This is it for
6: the Grey Cup victory. The kick is up.
1: Now, it seems foolish to play during the NFL season, and no one wants to play football in Regina in March. So a lot of questions remain. Look, I'm a CFL fan. I want the league to succeed. But they've lost generations, not a generation, generations of fans. So it is time to try something different. And what that different looks like remains to be seen, but an open mind just might be the lifeline needed to continue to thrive. So here's what I see, all right? Here's my prediction. A season that'll run from April to August. A reduced Canadian ratio for Canadian teams with probably no more than five players. A season that runs closer to 12 games rather than 18. Four downs instead of three for simplicity for an American audience. And a heavy emphasis on fantasy and gambling. This is more about self preservation and a refresh rather than maintaining tradition and history for the CFL. It's an attempt to recapture 40 years of fans that skipped watching the CFL and try to grow the league now rather than go backwards. If you smell what Seaball's cooking. You know your damn role and shut your. And that's this morning, Seaball says, because Perry, it all comes back to wrestling, buddy. Oh, I tell
4: you, you you probably are already sucking up to The Rock to get involved with the CFL and The Rock. Hey, he went to Instagram yesterday to his 222 million followers and just talked about the dream, how it all started when he became The Rock, when Wally Buono, and he said, Wally, Said no you don't have enough and he had seven bucks in his pocket and he learned about hard work i want to see the movie i want to see the dwayne johnson movie and i want to see that scene at the beginning of the movie when wally buono hopefully playing himself because he's still got great hair and he cuts dwayne johnson and then i want to see the rock wrestle and then i want to see the big action star and then near the you know near the end of the movie i want to see the rock in hawaii meeting wally for coffee Going, you know what, boss, we're going to make it happen. I'm going to save the league. More people talked about the CFL than the last 24 hour, James, than they have. And it's a generation that are going, hey, you know what, I love my NFL. If I could watch some players play here in BC and then see them maybe become NFL stars, that's great. Tell you what, if you and I were in Saskatchewan right now, or we were in Alberta, they'd have some serious issues. But the CFL needs Vancouver, they need Toronto, they need Montreal, and they need The Rock. And guess what? The fact that David Braley, who saved this league for so long, is not around, I think makes stuff like this easier to push through for the commission.
1: I don't know if anybody... Uh, yesterday, I talked to three buddies who reached out to me that are total CFL haters, right? They are NFL tried-and-true snobs. And, that's like, and that, the reality is most of my friends are, are that. But, but three guys called me yesterday to talk about this. Like they wanted to talk about the CFL. The buzz that this has created for the CFL has been maybe the biggest, dare I say, since Justin Bieber played the 100th Grey Cup. And that was almost, what, 14 years ago, Pair?
4: Yeah, it is. Uh, Here's what Ambrose had to say uh, this morning about, all right, I mean, are you talking that you're talking or why would you do this?
7: I know our fans, and guys there 's a great story i 'll share this with you if you don 't mind because it 's really at the heart of why I think this is so important. So I do road shows every year in town halls, and I visit with our fans regularly. I love it and uh, but i 'll tell you there 's a story I hear every stop it 's always uh, it 's a gentleman or a, or a lady who uh, puts up their hand and wants to tell me a story, and it goes like this they say you know i 've loved the c f l as much as anything I've ever loved in sports, and they talk about their great Cup memories and other such things, and then they say, but you know, and then fill in the blank, it's either my son or daughter or grandson or granddaughter or nephew or niece aren't as connected to the CFL as I am. And, and then they, you know, they comma, and Randy, what are you going to do about it? because they know that we need that next generation of fans that are as passionate as, um, as the one, as the fan base we have today. And then some major way, that's what this is about. How do we grow our game? How do we become bigger and stronger? And I know all CFL fans want that for us.
4: Yeah, I mean, that's what they want. You think in Abbotsford High School, there's more people rocking BC Lions hat or Pittsburgh Steelers hats, right? Claypool, he's a Steeler. I'm a Steeler fan. No one cares about the BC Lions right now. You got to be relative again, and this is a smart move.
1: Well, you know what? I think you could say probably a similar thing for the Whitecaps, but the Lions have a have a real problem because it's a generational gap with fans, and it's a very aging demographic, and the numbers have been dropping. Look, you got to come up with something, but I think it's happening. The fact that you know Randy Ambrose is non-committal to what's going on. But I think this is happening, and it's just a question of what it's going to look like. I don't think they want any part of interfering with the National Football League. That would be my guess. Uh, a lot of people jumping in here on the Dunbar-Lumber text line already at 650-650. Do you, does it change? Would you be more intrigued? Would you be more engaged by it? Do you, Will you turn off watching the CFL as a, result, as a result of this? I feel like the most people talking about this, young people on social media, seem to be engaged by this idea. And I think a lot of people are just realistic, Perry, to think that, look, man, this is what the league needs. I mean, if they want to continue to survive, this league's going to have to evolve, and this might be the step it is. I know the ex- expansion of the, in the U.S. failed in the 90s, but, you know, this is a different it's time, different. and you've got a massive celebrity attached to the to the hip this time.
4: No, I, I think it's the one way to put some blood back in something that's been around. A time is... It's something that's great to hang on to, and traditions are great. But see if you can get someone like Drain Johnson to make it happen. It'll be good. Hey, when we come back, no BS, just PS. Man, you know what? It's us against them. Canadians against the U.S., and I'll tell you, they're one-upping us in one certain category in the game we love. We'll explain it all. 644 on what looks to be a gorgeous Thursday morning on the official home of the Vancouver Canucks. you got it on Sportsnet
0: 650. <laughs> He always tries to be ahead of the game. Perry was in front. Finding stories that matter, sort of. We call BS. You want it. I want the truth. It's not BS, just P.S. With Perry Solkowski.
4: Some facts some figures to go with you on this gorgeous Thursday morning. A little bit of P.S. You know it's a global game, and we're so focused on what's going on in the North Division. But it is always us against them on the ice, isn't it? tell you, we're we're always looking at stats. But if you look at the goal scorers, James, going into last night, 11 of the top 15 goal scorers in the NHL, American citizens right now. I mean, we've got one of them, a Brock Besser. They're having a good run, especially a couple of the old guys and Dustin Brown and Povolski after a really good start as we approach the halfway point for most of the teams in the NHL.
1: Shout out to Apollo Creed's uh, ring entrance music to Rocky IV as well. Forgotten forgotten, uh, song from that soundtrack, it feels like. That's a great James Brown song. Hey, you know what? I didn't just
4: play that clip. I listened to it, watched the video yesterday. (laughs) Hey, P.S., the first season of the MLS season has been announced. Who will be the weekend matchups and for the white caps well
8: when my, baby, when my baby smiles
1: at me I go to Rio
4: I mean the White caps are playing at Rio Rio Tinto Stadium in Salt Lake if you're an average fan and you're wondering hmm what about the White caps Salt Lake will be their home as far as Toronto is concerned they will play their games in Orlando and Montreal. Club de Foot will call Miami home. A difficult, difficult time again for MLS soccer. They will start the season April 18th. The Whitecaps at home in Salt Lake City at Rio Tinto Stadium.
1: Rio Tinto kind of has that same sort of illustrious, sort of romantic name like the burnabout, right? Like, you know, you know, Rio Tinto. Oh, the it's, hallowed grounds of Rio Tinto. I, I've been there a lot to cover the team.
4: Uh, the one thing that sticks out to me is when we got there to park at the game, I think it was $3 to park. And I said, God bless America, $3 to park to go to a sporting event. Well, you know what? It yeah.
1: speaks volumes to, I guess, you know, a, a market or or a team that doesn't quite have the big fan base, right? Because I remember, like, going to Coyotes game, same thing. Last time, trying to go to a Coyotes game in Glendale, and it was free parking. Like, oh, that's great, you know? <laughs> free parking for... You know, try finding free parking anywhere in Vancouver, right, if you're going to a Canucks game.
4: Oh, I remember when we covered the Super Bowl in Arizona, the uh, pass, pass the ball.
1: Or even a Lions uh, or Whitecaps Bowl. game, right? Like, good luck, Oh, <laughs> free Listen, parking. You're
4: 30, 35 in. Super uh, Bowl parking was, I think, 110 bucks outside the stadium in Arizona. Uh, when
1: had you're, you're, parking, you're, pa- you're parking just off Boundary Road if you're looking for free parking in Vancouver for a game.
4: Listen, after the performance that the Vancouver Canucks gave everybody last night, I thought there might be an opportunity to make people smile. I knew we'd talk about the CFL. We did. Should they expand? Should they get back in the States with the Rock? Yes, they should. But I thought, you know what? CFL, the States, let's make people smile. Let's enjoy, for this moment, our national anthem done like it's never been sung before. From far and wide, O Canada, we
9: stand on guard for Thee. From far and wide, O Canada, we stand on
4: guard for Thee. The vocal stylings of Craig Bartholomew when the Las Vegas Posse were in action. That's the Still "O Christmas
8: great. Tree" alternate version, Perry. The "O Christmas Tree"
4: I can't version. Si- I can't sing "O oh Christmas Tree" without thinking I should be busting into our national anthem. That is absolute gold, James. We had him on the show, didn't we, a couple years ago?
1: Oh,
4: did we have? Didn't, it? Yeah, yeah, maybe. Didn't we we did we? He was in I don't Japan.
1: Know. Yes, like, you know, like cannabis know. was legalized a few years ago. Pair, I can't remember.
4: <laughs> there you go. I, it, it is still as good as it ever gets, and the Rock knows how to market. If a team is anywhere near there, bring them back like Hamilton did. Right? He got a, He got a retry on that one. So. There you go. Our national anthem, no BS, just
1: PS, everybody. Six minutes to uh, 7 o'clock here on this Thursday morning. This is the starting lineup. He's Perry Sokowski. I'm James Cebulski. David Amber from Hockey Night in Canada is going to join us uh, in just a little bit. Hey, 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. 7.30, we play fair or foul. Get your submissions in. Weigh in with your take. Whatever it may be, anything goes, and we'll decide if it's fair or foul. Hot, not, whatever. You send it in at six fifty. Six fifty. We'll get. Uh, we'll talk some puck and what went down last night. And it was one giant poop emoji for the Vancouver Canucks. We'll get into it next, right here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet six fifty. Let's get it going. It's time to get up. The Montreal Canadiens outshoot the Vancouver Canucks forty-five to twenty-four and win five to one.
0: These guys are here to break it all down. Your
2: assessment of your team's performance? Very poor. What was most concerning for you? Oh, we just had a lot of players that didn't play very well.
0: Yeah, Mo, that team sure did suck last night. Uh,
2: You're going to have stinkers? They just played sucked. We deserved exactly what we got tonight.
0: I've seen teams suck before, but they were the suckiest bunch of
2: sucks that ever sucked. Canucks
0: in a song.
2: Hello, darkness, my old friend. This
0: is the starting lineup. Here's James Cebulski and Perry Solkowski.
1: Two minutes after seven o'clock here on this Thursday morning, Sibalski and Salkowski, hour number two of the starting lineup here on Sportsnet. Six fifty. We'll be joined by David Amber from Hockey Nighting Canada. Coming up in just a couple of minutes. Uh, Six fifty. Six fifty. The Dunbar Lumber text line. And you know, pair. Before we kind of dive in on what we saw from the Canucks uh, last night, which was just absolutely terrible. And uh, man, it's so disappointing after you get you know all this positivity and. You know, you're not going to win them all, but man, just the effort not there last night. But can we give a shout out to Dylan Coglin from Duncan? Man, local island boy making good last night. Hat trick yes. for the Vegas Golden Knights in a losing cause. What a great story. Kyle Bukoskis, uh from Hockey Night in Canada as well. He's a Campbell River native, talking about how the family and how Dylan sometimes used to hitch a ride to, to, to youth sports games back in the day on the island. But uh, nice to see uh, another Cascadian repping well and another Islander repping well uh, in the National Hockey League this morning.
4: Hey, it's, uh, yeah, that's exactly it. And I think for a lot of people, we We've talked about it. We've talked about it with Dave, too. Is uh, David Ambrose joining us shortly? You know, we're just so focused on everything that is going on in the North Division. There are a lot of good stories around the NHL right now. And to have that BC story and the Bukaskas saying, yeah, you just, they're getting costly, just jump in the truck. Yeah, jump in the truck and go. Just get to wherever you can. So nice to see those stories. And I think at some point, unfortunately, fans are just, what's going on? Who's playing who now up north? There's been a lot of good stories south of the border, in the other divisions this year in the NHL.
1: What do you make of this thought here? Uh, Andy, the Park Ranger, texting in at 650-650 on the Dunbar-Lumber text line. I'm fine with not making the playoffs this year. To be honest, a good draft to restock could be huge. But all I ask for is the Canucks to keep it close. If they can maintain at a decent uh, level, at least above 500, winning streak here, just lose out uh, on the last spot, I, I deem this season a pass. I, you know and and there's you know there's Andy from an optimist standpoint, I think a lot of people felt like anything less than the playoffs was going to be a failure and it was going to be unacceptable based on how loud the masses have been for this team uh and demanding change. I just wonder how far back people are willing to go, like Jim Benning's suggesting pair that this team's two years away from being a Stanley Cup contender. Which I think if you look at the roster where it is, I don't think it's completely unrealistic to think that, but here's but i'm I'd be curious like the idea of selling all these assets or trying to sell assets and recoup draft picks man the the assets that you would get if you're selling some of these guys, you're not gonna get you're you're yeah, talking mid round picks right, so yeah. and how like and first off, if they hit you're probably looking at three, four years away for some of these mid-round picks to potentially hit the NHL, right? So I guess I just wonder how, how, how much longer are you willing to wait as a Canucks fan because two years will represent nine years of Jim Benning's time in Vancouver if he's still standing.
4: Uh, you know, I, and I think this fan base was past the old meaningful games in March, which was the mantra we had for so many years ago. Let's just hope come March you're still around and we're not watching the last six weeks of the season. I think it is so different this year in the short season. Um, hey, last night was the first game in maybe a month. They were no-shows. I mean, they did not belong on that ice. Now, I've said that for a month, but they haven't been getting the points. Only in the last six games have they picked up some points. Uh, but, yeah, you know, that's, that's the debate that Jim Benning said a week ago yesterday. Okay, we've got 16 games till the trade deadline. Trade deadline is a month tomorrow. If you're making a move and you're dealing with someone south of the border, then you probably should do something in the next couple of weeks. But, James, to your point, we've discussed it. Do you move the veteran players for a third, fourth-round pick? Is that helping you immediately? Well, maybe if you move the veterans and you have a relationship that says, hey, you know what, let's talk again in the offseason. We want you back at a number that works for us and works for you if you like this setup. So... Lots of decision making that Jim Benning has to do a night like last night does not help his situation
1: well and what, what also isn't helping is the fact that these expiring contracts these guys aren't exactly uh, setting the world on fire like tanner Pearson uh, you know how much of a market is there for a guy who's in a massive scoring slump and you know who knows the mental aspect of what you know where he's at and Dealing with the uncertainty of his future might be taking a toll on his game, but uh, let's bring in David Amber from Hockey Net in Canada as he joins us uh, on Thursday mornings here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, as a former, I believe McGill Redman, uh, does does this mean like your loyalties for the Bleu, Bleu, Rouge come out on a show like this, even in Vancouver? There, uh, Amber. <laughs>
5: Uh, no, listen. I've got. I've. I've no loyalties. I. I'm. I'm loyal to a Canadian team winning the cup. I don't care which one. I've. Uh, we waited long enough. Let's get the cup back here in Canada. Uh, it's funny though. I, I mean, I grew up in Toronto, so when I went to McGill, I was. I was a Leaf fan as a kid growing up, so you can imagine what that was like. Uh, and I graduated in '93, and we came so close to that dream. What Habs? Oh yeah. Stanley Cup final. You know, Harry yeah. Fraser online too. Yeah. it's uh, – <laughs> I guess we'll never see that again. In fact, in my lifetime, we've barely seen the Habs and the Leafs meet in the playoffs. I believe the last time was 1979. So I was going to say it's over 40 game. years now. Like yeah. it's like
1: yeah. I, I, I'm not like I'm 46 and I do not remember. I'm not old enough to remember those two going head to head in a playoff series.
5: Yeah, I'm, I'm just a little bit older than you, and, and, I, uh, and I do remember, but I was a, a wee boy, you know, at yeah. the time. And that was the Lanny be,
4: McDonald goal, wasn't it, when the Leafs beat the Islanders? Isn't that who they played after, or am I wrong with that?
5: 78, you're absolutely right. In fact, the Leafs ran into the Buzz saw, known as the, as the you know, they ran into those epic Dynasty Habs teams in yeah. the late 70s a couple of times in the playoffs, and I believe they were swept both times in 78 and then in 79. And they haven't met since, and we came very close in 93, but this this could be the the ultimate meeting in the North Division, uh, maybe with a spot in the in the conference finals uh, on the line. We'll see.
4: Uh, David Ambert joins us from Hockey Night in Canada. Uh, Dave, the talk out here for the last week has been, since Jim Benning spoke uh, a week ago tomorrow, was, you know, I, we've got 16 games before we have to make a decision, and it's buy or sell. Uh, he still thought, and his team had a good couple of weeks of hockey that there's still an outside chance if you're a gm in his shoes are you looking at moving uh, some parts right now or are you still holding off for a week or two
5: well listen the math the math doesn't make sense anymore and i listen i've been on your show a few times i've been on scott Rintoul's show a few times and i've always been sort of the the internal optimist about hey there's still time and the team still has so many good parts um you know the time is ticking right there they're 30 games in, guys. It's going to take close to 70 points to make the playoffs 68 points, 67 points. I mean, just do the math, and the, and the Vancouver needs to an epic run in these final 26 games. Something like, you know, let's say 20 and 6 uh, might get it done. So I, let's be realistic about it. I'm sure Jim Benning is working the phones, and it's really about waiting for the right deal. And some GMs, you know, I don't know how what philosophically what approach he takes some gms are like let's get closer to the deadline and more teams become buyers and the marketplace opens up and then some guys like jim rutherford when he was a gm he was always very good at early on doing that sort of early shopping you know he'd be one of those guys getting his christmas shopping done in october or something you know and i'm i'm one of those guys out there december 24th running around but he um You know, he would read the marketplace early on. He'd find a deal he liked, and and I guess he made a lot of calls. Brian Burke used to say that Jim Rutherford was very active on the phone making calls. So, um, you know, I I think Jim Benning's going to be active uh, in, in figuring out what the best marketplace is and go accordingly from there.
1: Well, can we also can we also agree? Like, you must have loved having last night off to not have to deal with that eleven o'clock Eastern start for you, right? I mean, really. even, even eight o'clock, like eight Uh-oh. o'clock here, man. There was a ton of grumbling. <laughs> can I just like, how do you have an east? Like, if you've got an East Coast West Coast team, like, how do you alienate one half of the fan base that wants to watch that game? Like, that just feels like a miss when you've got two Western teams at home on a doubleheader on a Wednesday night. You know, it just felt weird.
5: It it was late. I mean, thankfully, I hate to say this, but thankfully that game was over pretty quickly, right? I mean, that, that <laughs> yes. you know, they, they established what they were going to do pretty much in that first period, and it was lights out for the Canucks. And that's been a theme this year. It's funny. I watch a lot of hockey and a lot of nights. No lead is safe. With the Canucks, they've been chasing games all season long, and they haven't been chasing them effectively. I mean, what, what's their record when they give up the first goal? I think they have one win in 16 or 17 yeah, when games when they, when they beat the Leafs. Yeah, exactly. It's just very rare for them, you know. It's sort of they settle into a situation where you start chasing the game, and and it's impossible. You you get a hill that's too big to climb. And, and Montreal, they played one of their best games of the year. Uh, they really came out. They were strong, and they uh, they set the pace. And they look like the the faster team, the more you know, the deeper team, and, and the team that had more will, uh, which is unacceptable for a Vancouver team that's you know, as we've mentioned, is desperate for points. So. Um, It wasn't much of a game, but I'm not a big fan of these 11 o'clock starts at all. So let's move those clocks up and uh, get you guys your your 7 and 6 o'clock starts locally, right?
4: Well, there'd be a lot of people that said the screws were put to them every Saturday night at 4 o'clock, an awful lot in this city. So, yeah, I I wasn't a fan of it either. Uh, Right now, Dave, if we have to handicap, who's the best team in the North Division? Like the Winnipeg has played well recently. The Leafs on a little bit of a slide uh, and the Oilers seem to have figured out some team defense. Uh, is that still up for grabs? Will we focus on the West Coast? Is it possible they could see the playoffs? Are the Winnipeg uh, Jets gonna, the best team
5: up north? I, I, I'm i still going to uh, side with the Toronto Maple Leafs, and it's, this isn't a homer call or anything like that. It's just... You know, let's, let's remove Edmonton from the equation. Edmonton is 11-11 and 11 versus the NHL, and they're 6-0 versus Ottawa. And that's I'm not trying to be disrespectful to the Senators, but, you know, they're a 500 team when they're not playing the Senators. Let's just put it that way at this point. And we saw what Toronto did to them in back-to-back-to-back games a, a week and a bit ago. Winnipeg, to me, is a very good team. Montreal is a very good team. I think Toronto, top-to-bottom, is the best team. Um, you know they're on a, they're having a little bit of adversity right now. They've lost three in a row, and we'll find out a bit more about this Leaf Winnipeg you know situation tonight and Saturday night on hockey night because they they play. In fact, they play eight more times in, in the next uh, five weeks. So we're gonna we'll have a better uh, sense of everything. Uh, I think Winnipeg and Toronto up front have the, the best artillery, but Montreal they're starting to find their footing again. And Carey Price guys, like let's sort of. This narrative, oh, he's lost it. Oh, he's okay. He's lost it. He's okay. He seems to have been writing the ship of late. He's allowed just four goals in his last four starts. He's looking a lot like the carry Price that you would not want to run into in the playoffs. So you know you don't can't sleep on Winnipeg. You can't sleep on Montreal. But right now, I think Toronto just top to bottom, uh, with their depth, with the veterans they've added, uh, with the improvement of play from their star players, uh, from a more rested Freddie Anderson. I would give them the top billing in the North.
1: David Amber here on Sportsnet 650. Dave, to kind of look at where a bigger picture from the National Hockey League, uh, they announced uh, ESPN is back. Uh, Mm -hmm. The worldwide leader, your former employer not too long ago, um, they are back with a seven-year agreement. Uh, it sounds like $400 million a year for the National Hockey League. And, you know, when you factor in the money that the broadcast deal up here, which is over $400 million annually from our parent company, Rogers Media, $400 million from ESPN. I'm sure there's probably another broadcast partner to be had at some point in south of the border. You know, you could be looking at almost a billion dollars in television revenue annually for the National Hockey League, which is incredible for them. But here's Gary Bettman yesterday. I, I want to play a clip for you here from Bettman on mm-hmm. where the cap's going to sit here for the foreseeable future. And here's what the commissioner had to say. that, But despite all this new money coming in, here's where the cap reality is. Uh,
9: with respect to the salary cap, uh, we, as I think everybody knows, did a four-year extension to the salary cap is uh, to the collective bargaining agreement. And as part of that, the salary cap is basically gonna be flat until we recover uh, the overpayments through the escrow that that we've built up both in the return to play from last season, which which obviously had to be concluded under different circumstances. And this season, where obviously there's a major escrow building up because of the fact that there's no attendance and, and attendance directly and indirectly accounts for roughly half of our revenues. So I think everybody is basically focusing on a near a flat cap or a near flat cap for yeah. the immediate future.
1: So, yeah, new money coming, but uh, we need to recoup our losses first before we start seeing some growth with players' salaries again.
5: Yeah, I, that doesn't really surprise me. I, I mean, one thing I'll say is it is a gate-driven league, much more so than the NFL, than the NBA. Uh, You know, baseball clearly is a gate driven league as well by, you know, by all accounts. However, the NHL, more than those other three leagues, really derives a lot of its revenue, a greater percentage of its revenue through people in the stands, buying tickets, buying merchandise, buying concessions. That's a huge revenue stream for the ownership groups across the league. So I understand that. Uh, In fact, I've heard from some people that as much as the money's gone up and it's been a real boon for the NHL compared to what it was 10, 15, 20 years ago, they'd actually hoped to be getting even more money. So they weren't necessarily pleased uh, with the overall amount. But you mentioned something that's really important. There is this X factor, this B partnership group that's going to be announced in the United States, whether that'll be NBC or Fox or we're not sure. But that should derive another, you know, you know I would imagine in the neighborhood 150, 200 250 million dollars more coming in. Um, but I think he's going you know Commissioner Beckman's going to take a conservative approach. He's certainly going to protect his ownership groups and, uh, and it's been thought of you know when the pandemic hit that we're going to be looking at a flat cap for the next you know handful of years two to three to four years possibly. So that doesn't surprise me. Uh, I'd like to think you know now that we're starting to see fans, I think we're up to 18, maybe 19 rinks. Uh, where you're starting to see some smattering of fans and we're going to see full uh, attendance, I would imagine, by the end of the season in some of these markets, that could change uh, the, com- the complexion uh, big time if we can start to fill these stands come playoff time. So I think that's the hope. Uh, but of course, he's going to take a very uh, prudent approach when he's talking about the salary cap because he doesn't want to you know, ha- have his words held against them down the road if, if that isn't the case and-, and the cap doesn't go up if he, if he assumed it was going to.
4: Dave, let me ask you this. I mean, we, we see the growth in the numbers and the deal, so that's good. Um, but, you know, as James mentioned, you work for ESPN. You were down in the States. And as much as mm-hmm. I, I read that announcement and you read some of the replies from, from Americans, I don't care about this game. I don't care. We have been trying to grow the game of hockey south of the border to a fan base that some are willing to accept. The game has grown. You just look at all the guys who play in the NHL and where they're from. We were saying earlier, I think 11 of your top 15 goal scorers are american hockey players but when you work down there were you in general conversations not when you're on the set is there a massive appetite do you think the game of hockey has grown in the fan base in the states because to me i think college football has been the game that's grown over the last five years as far as fan appeal where does hockey sit in your mind
5: perry that's a great question uh listen when i got to yes fan it was in 2002 and at the time we did have the national rights uh we did broadcast a lot of games and it was there was some scuttlebutt in the in the buildings where we broadcast the games you know there was a general interest certainly not at the anywhere close to the same uh depth of interest as there was in in baseball and and basketball and football Uh, but there was some interest then we lost the rights uh in the lockout year the 2004 or five year and it was almost like hockey went away we treated it we were very dismissive of the national hockey league and it was, it was pretty upsetting as a hockey fan down there. Like it was really, we actually just ignored the league uh, by and large. Uh, You know, in my opinion, I I would always be, Hey, there's some really good stuff happened here. There's interesting storylines there. And they'd be like, yeah, yeah, whatever. (laughs) So, um, but as far as speaking to the American public in in general, though, guys, I, I really think, it's a regional game. I mean, you look at certain pockets, you look at Pittsburgh, you look at Buffalo, you look at Chicago when the team's doing well, certainly. And, and they're really great success stories. And the league's grown really well in non-traditional markets. You look at some success stories like we see in Vegas, uh, you know, you you see in Tampa Bay, certainly uh, the arenas are full and there is a, a, a general interest. I was in Washington for the Stanley cup final a few years ago and the people were going nuts there. I mean, it, they were really, there seemed to be a legitimate appetite. I, I think we don't do the NHL any favors when we start comparing it to the NFL and to some of these other you know, NFL or NBA. It's just not there on, on that type of level. Um, and I think the NHL needs to recognize that. And I think they have that they can't just keep trying to cater to the non-traditional fans because sometimes you forget about your actual traditional fans when you do that. So I'm interested to see how this TV um, deal is going to work out. It, it, it's a different type of deal, right, guys? Like, the NHL is trying to move forward, and essentially this is now the streaming service. So if you're a, a huge NHL fan in the States, you're going to have to retain your ESPN package. Then you're going to have to go out and get ESPN Plus, and you're also going to have to probably go and get Hulu or Apple TV to be able to stream some of the games on TV as well. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how it's met. Um, it's probably a very smart way for ESPN to monetize the games. Whether the fans are going to buy into it and be happy about it, you know, that's you know yet to be seen. But it's a really interesting. Uh, set up for the NHL, and obviously it's a pretty lucrative set up for the National Hockey League, and I, I hope it's a, a marriage that works out well for everyone.
1: Dave, nice to catch up, sir. Take the rest of the morning off, all right? And uh, just be glad that you didn't have to work that 11 o'clock start last night. Have a great day, buddy. <laughs> My condolences, guys. Have a great day. We'll talk soon. Thank you. There you, you know. go. David Ever from Hockey Night in Canada weighing in on uh, around the National Hockey League and, and the Canucks and the math just does not look good. Uh, Sonia, don't call me Salty Aslam from News
3: 1130.
1: Morning, boys. Hi. Hi. Oh, you sound tired.
3: No, I'm not You're tired at all. Fan. No. Nope. Not impressed. Nope. Not impressed. Nope. nope. Not, uh, nope, just sort of over it now.
1: Oh, yes.
3: (laughs) (laughs) No, it's like you win, you lose, fine, whatever. Like you just said, the math doesn't look good, so that's fine. Yeah,
1: do you want to see, uh, Greg Ballack, do we have Sonia Aslam's song, Submission Her Canucks in a Song? Um, Do we have that for her? Yeah, okay. Sonia, do you want to tee this up for the listeners, the one that you sent me last
3: night? Sure, I think this is how many fans feel every time we try to string together a couple of wins and then we crash and burn. It's Tony.
1: (laughs) Shout out to Tony Braxton in the 90s, man. Like, she was... (laughs) Is
3: this a karaoke song? No. (laughs) Can someone pull this
4: off in karaoke?
3: No, no, it's Tony Bradley. <laughs> Everybody Braxton. just Come on.
1: drinking and they're just oh I can't yeah. go to tomorrow. Remember yeah. she had the love she have the love triangle with a bunch of the Dallas Mavericks? There was like Did Jimmy Jacks I think it was like oh. Jimmy Jackson and Jason Kidd I think. There was some some sort of
3: love triangle. I think Jason Kidd, that I remember, but I don't remember the other ones.
1: So, good day
3: Mm. if you're 85 today in the province, right? This is true. So, not this demographic. (laughs) (laughs) Well. (laughs) Well. Yeah. Yeah. Part of the show. (laughs) So, Adrian Dix, the health minister, has announced that uh, because the vaccine rollout is, quote unquote, going so well, they're actually moving up people who can actually uh, sign in to get the shot. So, uh, if you know anyone who is 85 plus, or you are... Or 85 plus, you can now book your COVID nineteen vaccine, which is great. It's even a better day
4: if you're 85 and you ride a bike and you want to go to Stanley Park.
3: This is true. What's going
4: on? We're we're getting set for it. It's the Battle <sighs> of Spring Bikes and Cars, Stanley Park.
3: Ask anyone in this region: Are you like pro cyclist or pro driver? And it is such a fight in this region. It, it's hilarious. Stanley Park. Uh, The two lanes that you can usually drive through, they're now taking away one lane and they're making it a bike lane. They did this last year. It pissed off a lot of people. And it actually made the businesses really mad because, A, they're struggling as it is. And now they're saying, well, if people can't drive in here easily, they're not going to come. We're barely hanging on. Why would you take away a lane? So the other proposal that they're looking at is to cut down parking that's available in the park by up to a third. So, well, yeah. let me just okay. let me
1: just speak on this for a second, here, oh, because great. if you are uh, if if your you're, no, 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 on. No, 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 I just I, I will say this. Look, if you're driving through Stanley Park, like you are going you are lollygagging, right? Do not drive through Stanley Park. You are going to sightsee. You are driving through if you're trying to get if I'm in a hurry. I'm going to cut through Stanley Park. Oh, hell yeah. no. Right, come on. Like there's nothing. No one
3: cuts through Stanley Park yeah. to try you're, to get around You're not exactly.
1: You're not trying to pa You're not trying to pass one of those, you know, horse and carriage or anything along those lines. You kind of it's kind of a driver beware. Like you that's that's like you know what you're getting into if you are Driving and you're going through Stanley Park. So now like you'll it's,
3: be stuck behind one of those horse carriages because the other lane's a bike lane and you can't go around. Yeah. And don't and go if through there's no Stanley Par- Park. No, that doesn't yeah, that make that's where you sense. Take no, no, Like, how yeah. many
4: bikes do they rent at Stanley Park? Like, how many people are we serving that can jump on their bike? Uh, Well you know what? Let's bike to Stanley Park. How many businesses?
1: How many businesses? Like, I mean, come on, that's on you if you're setting up shop in Stanley Park, right? I I want to be empathetic to a degree, but come on, man. I had a membership at the aquarium for a few years and you know, we figured it out. And sometimes we had to walk a while to get but you know what? We live to tell about it, right? Come on, Perry. You're not—I know you're not 85, but come on. It Doesn't mean you have to act like 85 to try to qualify no, listen, for that vaccine shot. I, hey, I think the idea I would run around away-
4: Stanley Park all the time, and I, if if I could bike around there, great. That's why I'm asking Sonia. I wonder how many bikes are rented to go around Stanley Park. But I do know when I have visitors come in, way back when, about six years ago, before we all stay at home, you'd go. You know what? Let's drive around Stanley Park. Let's walk around Stanley Park. You know what? To to sit behind a carriage and in a car. Give me some room. There's still enough room for bikes to go around there. I'd rather have a bike while I'm jogging and go, Okay, I'll move to the side. The bike's coming through.
3: And now they're taking Uh, that away. I think the idea of also taking away parking. And, you know, I'm going to have a little bit more empathy, I guess, for the businesses that are barely, you know, clinging to not filing for bankruptcy, saying, could you allow some more cars in so people can park and walk around the park? Not suggesting whatever you are of people just like. You know, speeding through it. I don't think anyone's doing that. I think the idea is it's not car friendly anymore, but that's how a lot of people get down there. Not everyone is going to drive somewhere, park expensive parking, downtown Vancouver, rent a bike or pull out their bike and then too much work. It's too much. Most people don't live downtown or near the park where they're just going to walk there. That's not realistic.
1: Okay, we're up against the clock, but I will say this: uh, electric bikes and seniors, man, they're taking. That is becoming a problem on walking paths these days. People just ripping by at thirty while you're trying to walk. You know, with you're walking a dog or what? That's a whole different can of worms. But e-bikes and seniors, man, we're cruising around like all of a sudden they're in a road race. Are you talking
3: about their scooters? No, not the, actual e-bikes. Actual e-bikes. No, the e-bikes. No, those, like those e-bikes power e-bikes bikes. bikes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you sound, every every you sound senior,
1: old, yeah. <laughs> every every senior, because they can't go to Maui this year. They've all bought. Elect, you know, these e bikes, these powered bikes. So, anyway, uh, we'll continue this. We'll save this for tomorrow, Aslam, okay? I can't okay? wait. Nice to so catch good. up. Thanks, Thanks for boys. the Tony Braxton Bye-bye. this morning. <laughs> uh, 27 minutes after 7 o'clock. Fair foul is just around the corner. Weigh in with your take. Maybe you agree with me on this whole uh, e bike problem on the past these days. 650, 650, the Dunbar Lumber Text line. What's fair? What's foul? We'll weigh in with our thoughts next here on your Home of the Canucks Sports Net
0: 650. Now, don't be this is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Here's your Canucks in a song.
1: Well, if you do the math, that's still a uh, 66% winning percentage with uh, taking another two of three. Uh Edmonton up next for the Canucks. That's Jim and Ladner with his submission from Meatloaf. Two out of three. Ain't bad. Sabalski, Solkowski here on this uh, Thursday morning as the Canucks get absolutely throttled by a Montreal Canadiens team that, look, this is the team they were trying to catch pair, and the Habs come away with three out of four points, and so they actually leave with one more point than the Canucks, so things kind of exploded last night in the wrong way for Vancouver.
4: It's it's getting to the point where you're running out of options. Uh, if you look at the schedule, you know, if you're going to leapfrog over a team, it, it might be the club that comes here on Saturday night, the Edmonton Oilers, because you still, you know, you don't have many games in hand with them, and you got them six times. So if you're going to dominate a team, it's the Edmonton Oilers. The problem is... Uh, you know Oilers got a lot of hockey still to play and just like we talked about Montreal Montreal is going to play a lot of hockey against Winnipeg someone's leaving with points so the only math is hey, two out of three maybe but they have to be the right teams that you're beating and I would suggest the only target left and the only slice of hope left is uh, run crazy over the Edmonton Oilers to keep her to keep a chance.
1: All right, let's get Greg Ballack in here. Uh, we've got Solkowski, Sabalski. 650, 650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. If you want to get your submission in for fair or foul, let's kick things off. Gentlemen, fair or foul, Nikita Triampkin will be a Vancouver Canuck next season after his KHL season came to an end yesterday.
4: Foul. Can't believe how this fan base... Goes crazy about a guy who played when the team was as, as poor as it has ever been. Yeah, you like the size, but you need an attitude. Talk about culture. Triampkin is not coming and bringing a culture to this Vancouver Canucks team. That's foul, buddy.
1: Falick,
8: I say fair. I think it's a, a good opportunity for Triampkin to get back in the NHL because I think the Canucks can take any help they can get on the back end. If he wants to come back, if he's open to return to North America... I say do it. I hate talking about him just as much as everyone else, but I say do it.
1: I don't see it. I don't. I just don't see it, man. I feel like we've been talking about it for four years and it still hasn't happened. But th- let the conversation begin again. Well,
4: on that theme, <laughs> I didn't know you were going there, fair or foul. Five goals in five games, eight playoff points. Leads the KHL. Nikolai Goldobin will be back in the NHL next year. Oh, fair geez. foul. Are we
8: at this point now where we're talking about wow. Canucks players overseas again?
4: Yeah, you got to come up with a Ooh. fair foul about Jason <laughs> Uh You don't think so? Listen, there's expansion. No. No. Maybe someone takes a shot. Not in Vancouver, but no. maybe. Playing well. No, I'm saying fair.
8: I'm saying fair. I, I think he is a, an NHL player, and I think uh, a good, solid campaign in the KHL is good for him. I think he's going to come back, and they I think Seattle's a great give opportunity. give him
1: away. They couldn't give him away.
8: Seattle's looking for players, James. Yep. (laughs) Fair foul, you guys. When your goalie gives up five goals but still has something that resembles close to a 900 save percentage, they ain't the problem.
1: Mm, Fair. That's
4: fair. That's fair. They shouldn't have been in that hockey game yesterday. How he's played in the last month has been absolutely stellar. Deserved it. NHL star a couple of times. Uh, yeah, It's a 9-1 game The other guy's in the net I think He's been good, that's not the problem
1: See, He's faced more shots than any goaltender in the league this year Thatcher Demko Yeah,
8: and he hasn't played the most games 45 shots last
1: Crazy um, Fair or foul A uh, CFL-XFL collaboration Could be the death of three down football And the Canadian player ratio
8: It's a foul It's a foul point But it's fair, it, it might happen it's not good. Yeah, it's it's fair.
4: I mean, I think that's the negotiating. The CFL has tradition on their side, history on their side, but that's it, right? I mean, they are hanging by a thread in this nation, and The Rock is coming there. He's a smart businessman. He knows what they have. It's what does he give, and does he appreciate it? I, I think that is absolutely fair, but it's for the betterment of the league. Uh, fair or foul? If ever the Vancouver Whitecaps can't be criticized for putting together a great roster and spending money, it's this year when, to start the year, you're based in Salt Lake, and you're not going to see too many fans here in Vancouver if you play here at
1: all. I'm going to say it's foul. Why? Why? why ca- <laughs> what has this team done to excite the market?
4: They're not in this market, so why spend money this year? That's the whole point.
8: Yeah, I say fair. I say what you know, what if the Canucks played in an alternate location? What if the Canucks were in Salt Lake? Would you be upset if they decided to just have a rebuilding year that year? Probably not.
1: Well, it's easier to get away with it. But at some point, right, this market, I mean, you what? had a global search for a guy that you hired and lasted less than six months on the job. Like, way to go, global search, right? Like, for as much as you want to talk about the Lions and the struggles that they've had in this market the last few years... Man, the Caps missed a glorious opportunity with a Canucks' rebuild, you know, with the Lions kind of going through their struggles. like They should be the hottest ticket in the city, and they're not. That's on them.
8: Fair foul, you guys. With Perry and Weber scoring goals against the Canucks last night, I felt like I was playing a game of Ducks versus Preds in NHL 07, back when the announcer, I didn't have to go into the settings and mute him.
4: Yeah, listen. I was on the Corey Perry train when he wasn't being signed. I, I I thought there was a guy that you could use, and I'd look at this lineup now and go, that wouldn't be a bad option to have. Not that he would want to come here. He liked what was going on, but yeah, you know what? Look, Pavelski, Brown. There's been some veterans who have heated it up this year. Have heated up this year. I, I think that's fair. The
1: this this Vancouver Canucks squad needs to get faster before they bring in a piece like Corey Perry. I I understand what you're saying. He's got some snarl, but this team needs to get faster overall as a team before you drop in another Corey Perry into the lineup. Uh, Fairer foul, boys. The New York Mets simulation of a World Series celebration in practice was an amazing idea. Did you guys see this yesterday? Yeah, going through practice simulations, and they, they had to make it out. The, the one of the coaches gave them a scenario: okay, mm-hmm. one out, game seven of the World Series. You make this out, you guys win, and the entire team erupted on the field. Fair foul. I think it's fair. I think it's
8: great. Yeah, I think fair. I think more teams need to have fun like that. Uh, it's a great bonding experience, especially in spring training. It's so long. You know, it's going to be a long season for these guys. Moments like that are fun in spring training. And I think it. you need it. You need Loved stuff it. like that.
4: Oh, completely fair. Uh, Text line hopping, table saw James, fair foul, JT Miller's door slams and F-bombs per 60 leads the league. (laughs) Well, we don't get to see a whole lot of other games, but yeah, JT Miller wears his emotions on his sleeve like the scrap last night. But yeah, I am, uh, I'm not tired of it. It's almost expected now. I think it's fair. He may do it more than anybody else in the league, certainly in the North Division.
1: Yeah, no, no. I think that's totally fair. I mean, you can always count, especially when you're in the arena watching those games. You yeah. can hear, you can hear J T. Miller loud and clear, very consistently.
8: I thought they uh, were trying to mute the uh, the swear words. I guess they gave up on that. eh? It's not <laughs> the, happening anymore.
1: The delay, no. Ah, <laughs> I can't scare ear muffs, ear muffs. Um, hey, uh, fair foul. It's time for the Canucks to start selling foul
4: i think you're still uh you're still 10 days away the difference because if you're selling and you're selling with the team south of the border you're now looking at when and if this player comes back but i think when jim benning starts selling he's he's done and it's not like you're making an adjustment to make your team better i still think he's a couple of weeks out 10 days out who's buying though are you buying tanner pearson
8: Setter maybe. Well,
1: I mean, a week it's ago, going to be and Jordy
4: Ben.
8: You might have to wait two weeks too if you're a team in the states acquiring him too.
4: Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I I don't know. I think now is the time. And and you know, some, I had a buddy who called me the other day, screaming, just saying, you know, just once, just once, I would love to see the Canucks be proactive on something here, just once take the initiative as opposed to the well we're going to have a talk we're going to have a conversation we're going to figure things out over the night it's like how have you not figured this out already now is the time I think it's fair to say now look you needed those points against the Montreal Canadiens and the Habs picked up more points than the Canucks you do the math you know what if this team's still scratching and clawing and fighting after the dust settles on it then so be it but you know what? Maybe there's an opportunity to also evaluate some young talent as well. Get some guys and figure out what you've got. What are you, you fishing or cutting bait on here going forward? So I, I think now is a perfect time. I think now is a perfect time.
8: Hey, fair foul, you guys. The most important news coming out of the ESPN NHL announcement is the confirmation from The Athletic that the NHL on ESPN theme is coming back. It's good music. I love it.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of great 90s themes on uh, for sporting events, right? Like, you know, Fox has had theirs for what? You know, since 94, it's well, over 25 years. Look the, at the old John Tesh. The problem Tesh. with Fox, though, is they use yeah. it
8: for everything. They use it yes. for football, they use it for baseball. You need to have the team-specific theme song. Well, what about the,
1: lo- look at the, uh, the old John Tesh uh, NBA on NBC mm-hmm. uh, music, right? Like, how awesome was that in the 90s?
4: The uh, the one thing that ESPN did so well, and we're still at the point where you want to get to know the personalities that play in this league. Man, their NHL commercials were unbelievable. I went down a dark hole on YouTube yesterday to watch some of the g- gags that they pulled oh, with Ovechkin. So Ovechkin's good. with Steve Levy, and he's he's photocopying, <laughs> and, and Levy kind of mentions, Oh, what are you? Uh, you're not a Russian spy. What are you doing here? And then Ovechkin tunnels up. I mean, they did a great job in selling the game. That way, I look forward to what they have ahead.
8: Varlamov comes out of the eventually. ceiling, rappels down. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> by God, that's Varlamov coming from the sky. Uh, 744 in my uh, channeling my inner Jim Ross voice. Uh, 744, your Canucks commute coming up at the top of the clock. Um, we'll uh, also be joined by Arash Medani uh, in the 8 o'clock hour with much more on the uh, potential partnership with the XFL and the Canadian Football League and what it means to the future of the CFL as we certainly know it uh, more submissions coming in at 650-650 on the Dunbar Lumber text line for your Canucks and a song we'll hit the music and weigh in with more of your thoughts next here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet at 650
0: this is the starting lineup with James Cebulski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650 here's your Canucks in a song
1: Oh, there, a little twisted sister from the mid 80s. Your submission. We're not going to take it. Uh- D. Snyder and Company. Uh, don't forget to sign your text at 650 is 650. Sobolsky, uh, Sulkowski, kicking it with you. Uh, your Canucks commute coming up at the top of the clock. Uh, we'll dive in much more. We'll hear from Travis Green with some very pointed comments about his team uh, after last night's game. How about this uh, text from Devin here, Per? JT Miller seems like a locker room cancer. Me first guy mm-hmm. to the core. Wonder if that's why Tampa let him go cheap. Buyer beware.
4: No, they let him go cheap because of what they had in front of him. I I do think, like, we've kind of skirted around this issue, but nobody knows because no one's in the locker room. Uh, I know Corey Hirsch has talked about it a lot on the broadcast. I think JT Miller, Travis Green has said as much. Maybe he's got to give some support to say what kind of guy JT Miller is and how does he learn how to lead. You don't automatically become a leader. J.T. Miller starts his career in New York, puts up good numbers, goes to Tampa Bay where the hockey team doesn't need him to be a leader, asks him to play a role. He does that. Comes to Vancouver where they say, hey, man, if you can do more, we need some help. He has an incredible year and then leaves and thinks, okay, I'm, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to score at, at will on one of the best lines in the NHL in the lotto line. It doesn't happen, and now you test the character. Um, you were on me earlier. J.T. Miller made some really dumb plays yesterday. And I'm not saying he was the fault of the loss. Everybody played poorly. But when you play well, JT Miller, as he did, he was getting a whole bunch of bouquets. He's engaged. He's doing a great job at center. He's moved there. Keep him at center. But when you don't play well and you're one of the stars, uh, you're going to be a lightning rod. And he has been. I can't believe in the text line how many people are on him today.
1: Yeah, you know, he, he, I think it's just a simple case that, you know, the leadership infrastructure that was around this team um, guys like Markstrom and tanner are not here and they don't have that sort of calming influence where Miller's voice has become significantly augmented this season and, and I think it has probably had an impact on the chemistry, but I still love that guy's compete level. Uh, how about yep. Eastbound Tommy uh, going with this submission um, it's Eastbound and down. Eastbound and down, loaded up
0: and trucking, are we gonna do what they say can't be done we've got it long
1: well, the Canucks will be uh, eastbound, and uh, well, they were down certainly last night. They'll be eastbound next week when they head out to Ottawa and Montreal. Jay and Lady Smith summon this one up with a uh, four-letter word: U G L Y. U G L Y. Well played, Jay. Uh, how about the uh here, Pear? Uh, oh, my God, guys. It's not just faster. They need to get bigger and harder to play against. They got run out of the building last night, and other players and other teams say how easy the Canucks are to play against. We have plenty of undersized, speedy little guys sprinkled throughout the lineup, and it ain't working, fellas.
4: Uh, he's not wrong, Um there needs to be a lot of work. But Jim Benning gets hammered for saying we're two years away. I think he, you know, you're right. This team missed Elias Pettersson for the first time. Elias Pettersson not being in the lineup because they were playing a game where you got anybody with creativity to make it happen. Rock Besser on the one-timer, great. But as far as quality chances, on a night like last night, there was nothing there. I do think, and we've had some text, and as, uh, as David Amber said, that might have been one of the best games the Montreal Canadiens have played this year. Right, and, and don't take them as to running these guys out of the building at the beginning of the season because the Canucks were crap back then. I mean, they were playing beer league hockey. They at least were a little more structured last night. It's just the Montreal Canadiens were that much better. And you can't be great every game. So this is the first one-off in a month that the Canucks have had. Tough part is you better get back on that horse and win three of the next four or get on a streak again completely you're done, and you got to mail the rest of the year in.
1: Orange and East Van, I really agree with this one here. How can you even be positive about this series in Montreal? They got 3 of 4, you got 2 of 4, both wins. We gave them a point. Um, you know, that's that's it. I mean, Fox the math only, just man. worked against... Well, and just the way that the Habs kind of turned it up, another gear, and the Canucks to show up so lifeless last night. I mean, to get outshot 16-4. Hey, look, we'll get into it uh, much, much more uh, coming up at the top of the clock with your Canucks commute. Six 650 650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. And how about this submission here? Man, there's a little blast from the past. It's the PG-13 version pair. We're keeping it clean. She hates me from Puddle of Mud right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Hit the music.
0: They're not coffee drinkers, but they still keep it
2: right in the mornings. Am I surprised we didn't play well? Yeah, I am a little bit, but you're going to have games in the NHL where you don't play well just because you play well for four or five weeks. Every game's a new game. Uh, You're going to have stinkers. It's By no means an excuse, but uh, we had too many players not play well and we're not a team that can bring a CD game. Not many teams in the NHL are and get away with a point or a win. We, we deserved exactly what we got tonight.
0: The Canuck Commute on the starting lineup.
1: Two minutes after 8 o'clock here, hour number three of the starting lineup on this Thursday morning, a presentation of our good friends over at Surrey Honda. Visit Surrey Honda located at 152nd and Fraser Highway where you'll find quality and community. The word quality, non-existent for the Vancouver Canucks last night as uh, a team that just absolutely no-showed. It's as simple as that at Rogers Arena. For a team that had been playing so well and executing as a team, and despite still having another masterful performance by Thatcher Demko in goal, couldn't get any help in front of them. They got pumped for five goals, pair and get absolutely throttled 5-1. Probably the ugliest performance we saw from Vancouver since going back to, what, uh, a month ago, when they were pumped on Hockey Night in Canada by the Toronto Maple Leafs 5-1, which resulted in, in that game, there was that sort of tête-à-tête, if you will, with uh, JT Miller and Braden Holtby last uh, last month. Uh,
4: you know, I had an NHL coach tell me once that you're a good hockey team if four or five of your guys play really well and it's good enough to win. As you heard Travis Green say there, we are not a good enough hockey team to win like that. And what have we talked about over the last couple of weeks? Hey, they're kind of getting it from everybody. Yeah, Quinn Hughes with a lot of ice time, but you're looking at Jay Beagle's line as effective. At least they're putting some pressure on the D-men, and they're getting their opportunities. Man, when you're a complete no-show, with the exception of the goalie, you, you're going to be speed-bagged like you were right from the opening get-go. Man, the first two minutes of that game, I think they iced the puck out of necessity because they couldn't handle the heat that was coming from the Montreal Canadiens. So this team, when you have to be not necessarily perfect, but everybody has to be really good to win, that's a tall order. And I'll give them credit that they've kind of fulfilled the billing for the last four weeks of playing really well, although not getting points. But you are going to be you were you're, you're going to be having a bound for a bad game. Problem is, you know, you just can't play perfect hockey, and they got to be pretty close to it. And they start against Edmonton, which for me, if you're going to have any hope, James, of this team getting into the postseason, and, yeah, I know it's a long shot, you're probably catching the Edmonton Oilers because of where they are in the standings and the number of times that you play them before the season's done.
1: Well, and and think about that for a second here because the Oilers right now sit eight points ahead of the Canucks in the standings, right? They got 34 points, and they got two games in hand. So there's the potential for a 12-point cushion. And that's and what does that tell you, right? When, when you're looking at yeah. the math and you're saying, you know what, your best shot right now is catching the Oilers. Now, the Senators kind of – it's funny how it was almost like retro night in the National Hockey League in the North Division, right, because the Senators all of a sudden turned into that team from January that just rolled over and died like two minutes into the game where they got pumped, absolutely pumped by the Oilers on, on national television last night. And then, you know, to follow suit, the Canucks look like, hey, it's January again, boys and girls. where they Like, they haven't been rolled over in a game in over a month. You know, they got spanked the other night, or about a week and a half ago by the Jets, but, you know, they were still in it for the most part. They got dominated, but they, but they were still in it. Whereas they were getting absolutely throttled on a regular basis the first month of the season. Pair, that's, you know, look, you're not going to win every game and it's just not sustainable. I guess if you want to find the glass half full, they've won four of six, but the downside is for your math is the Habs took three out of four possible points. Like that's, that's the team right now holding down four spots. Right now, you got Calgary back at it tonight. So somebody's coming away with points between those two teams as well. Right. And and with the Canucks luck, both teams, that's a three point game. And those are two teams that they're trying to catch in the standings as well.
4: Oh, you're, you're running out of options, right? It's as simple as that. You go, OK, sweep two against the Canadians. Maybe you have a chance. Now you look and go, OK, realistically, you know, the math is really tough to do. There is an answer to be made, but you go back and longtime sports fans, the miracle Mets were because they didn't think they had a chance. You can find a moniker. If the Canucks make the postseason, it will be based on a miracle. They're gonna to have to be so much better than everybody else. And they're going to have to have other games line up for them. I mean, you look at last night and go, yeah, the Oilers are a much better team than the Ottawa Senators. So what did you expect? But unfortunately, you have to hope Ottawa wins every game except when they play against the Canucks. And it's- it's just just not realistic. They gave us hope, and I will give them next week to say, all right, maybe, but it, it's so doubtful for them. And a performance like that, you just can't play at that kind of level for as long as they did. And the reason they have to play that high is because they don't have the talent to get past the competition.
1: Well, and that's, you know, on the Dunbar-Lumber text line uh, coming in, you know, the same sort of th- sentiment, right? Uh, a team can only play at 120% level for a while. That li- lineup looks yeah. small, and that coming from Shane. And that's uh, and that's one of those things where, you know, does this team need to get heavier? Sure, You'd like to see them kind of be a little bit heavier and, and have some weight to their game and bang and crash. Yeah, I think J, JT Miller, I mean, they're, he's trying to spark the team, and, and unfortunately, it kind of seemed to go the other way, right? The Habs seemed to be charged with that Sherratt scrap with Miller, and uh, they score, what, 30 seconds after that. Um, but, man, like Thatcher, you look at Thatcher Demko, you know, 45 shots he faces last night, Pair. I mean, he stopped 40 of them. He's faced more rubber than any other team or than any other goaltender in the league this year. And I would say this, the way the schedule holds up, I think Thatcher Demko will continue to be run in goal uh, for this Canucks team for the foreseeable future, at least until you've got the back-to-back games in Montreal in a little over a week from now. So they got a day off today. They're back on practice ice tomorrow, and then they play again on Saturday against Edmonton. That's, you know, I, I think there's there's a window here to continue to keep riding Demko before you hit the week long break at the end of the month.
8: He's
4: faced a lot of shots, as you said. No more, uh, nobody's faced more in the NHL. But he has in the last month kind of made the push to be this team's MVP, and that's not a good thing. He's keeping him in the games. Uh, There's a lot of people, and Will has has chimed in too, that are getting on the old, you know, this team is way too soft. It's funny, though, uh, you know, earlier in the week when um, Travis Green's addressing this team when they're winning, he's talking about the fourth line where you would have that toughness and a Zach McEwen as, hey, you know what, we've brought some speed to the lineup, right? And that speed is forechecking. It's effective. Kevin Biesco two weeks weeks ago just said, hey, you know what, Zach McEwen's got to be in the lineup every night. Uh, so it's when you lose you dissect everything too soft too slow need to fix it when you're winning there's that hope Uh, they were not good but give an awful lot of credit to a team that james you picked and on a night like last night if they figure it out and they get the goaltending i think you can have a valid argument that montreal might be the best team in the north division
1: well at the beginning of the season you could make that case right um you know, obviously he had a coach that got fired, right? What do you, what do you got? Seven teams in, you got seven teams in the division. One of them's Ottawa. So there's your bottom feeder that everybody predicted correctly. And then of those other six, a third of those teams have fired coaches. <laughs> like Calgary does away with Jeff Ward and Montreal does away with Claude Julian. I like this Montreal team pair. And I I had them picked initially to win the division I think statistically, it's probably not going to happen. Although they still have a ton of games to play, but they seem to have tightened up since the coaching change. You know, Carey Price seems to be dialed in. You know, I see David Richmond kind of texting in here at six fifty, six fifty, saying, you know, the Canucks were lucky to win the first game against Montreal. Could have easily been ten one with on aggregate with these two games if not for Demko. Look, I thought that Kerry Price I thought well no, but I would also say Kerry Price was really good in the first night. I don't think it was quite as tested last night, but I think Kerry Price still made some nice saves. Like Kerry Price has looked big and confident again in goal. At least these two games here against Vancouver at Rogers Arena. I I thought Carey Price is starting to kind of find his form. I think he's been called out. I think he's seen the comments and what's been said about him. Um, Obviously, there's been a change with goaltending coaches, and Sean Burke remains in quarantine for a little bit longer, but uh, Carey Price looks to me like he is kind of in a Carey Price zone right now, whether he's playing pissed off or with a chip on his shoulder, but Look, he, he met he met Thatcher Demko save for save. That went to a shootout the first game. And then, what, last night, um, you know, Demko did everything he could to kind of stay in the game, but the Habs were just too much. They came in waves, man. Vancouver looked like they were skating in mud.
4: They got four lines, and that can roll, right? And they were. Uh, and they played well, good team defense. There weren't a whole lot of creative chances mustered up by the Canucks. Not the Canucks missed number 40 for the first time. And it's easy to say that because when you lose, you dissect it all. When you're winning, you're going, hey, Don't even need him. Let's trade him. You needed a player to come up with a creative spark because they were in that game a lot longer than they should have been. Because of Thatcher Demko, you get that power play goal, you go, hang on here, 2 1. And I think after that 2 1 goal, I'll give the Canucks probably four shifts in a row where they were the better team. But that's four shifts out of a 60 minute hockey game. For the rest of that, Montreal deserved what they got. And we'll see what Vancouver can do with a day off today and see. See what we can do against an Edmonton Oilers team that a lot of people think are going, hang on, are we sleeping on the Oilers? They got their wake-up call when Toronto got the best of them and they've been better and smarter with their players starting to light it up. Dry sidle after going eight games without a goal. You just don't get that. Uh, You know, where's that coming from in Vancouver? Unfortunately, it's not coming from anywhere
1: right now. For this team. Uh, all right, 12 minutes after 8 o'clock. Uh, just to change gears here for a second, because huge news over the last 24 hours involving the CFL and the future of the Canadian Football League, as they announced publicly, along with the XFL, that they're collaborating. They're talking about a, pot- a potential collaboration, and they were public about it, not a lot of details. But what does it mean now for the future of the CFL as we know it for a league that reportedly lost? 60 to 80 million dollars last year does this mean doom and gloom for the canadian ratio what about the field size the schedule when do you play these games and what does it mean for three down football let's bring in a rash madani from our Sportsnet colleague who at one time was a guy an employee in the canadian football league but a rash strange times ahead and you know i feel like it's old school meeting new school here with the xfl and the cfl good morning sir
9: and good morning good morning james you know what I was thinking about last night. It almost seems like Ballers, the HBO show, is <laughs> yeah, is about is to play funny. out in real life. Yes, with, with sure. Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. I mean, this is you know this is where Hollywood meets reality, and it's not the NFL, but it is the CFL that now The Rock has got you know sunk, is sinking his teeth into. And I know that the league has said they've agreed to work together, but the reality is these conversations have been going on between the CFL and the XFL folks for months now. uh, I would suspect over six months now that uh, they they are far down the road in a lot of their conversations.
4: Rash, who reached out to who? And and when they make this movie, I hope it's Wally Buono, somewhere in Hawaii, running into Dwayne. That's the movie version. (laughs) But who reached out to who? Perry, the, the way, look, when the CFL
9: shut it down for last season, um, a lot of these leagues are talking. Um, how are you doing this? How are we going about it? What are you doing for your bubble, et cetera? I would suspect that this would have had to have started with the Redbird Capital slash Danny Garcia slash Dwayne Johnson folks first approaching the CFL. That that has to be it. Um, just to talk, and then I'm sure conversations gain steam. Because what we've learned through COVID is that the only reason sports are happening is because of TV money, right? There's nobody in the stand. The NFL just won an entire season with a salary cap of around $190 million with very few to no fans in stadiums every week. So the, for the XFL to get off the ground, they're going to need a big U.S. TV deal. And how do you get a bigger broadcast agreement? Add more teams, have more games, have more content, and if they're able, if the XFL folks have some money, and and Seaball just talked about how much the CFL and its teams lost this season, if they come to the table with some upfront money, um, suddenly the CFL is listening, aren't they?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean you got to, this is why you got to smell what the rock is cooking, right? Uh, I guess rational. So, I goes. mean, here's 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 my thought. I mean. Talk. Like, I was amazed yesterday how many friends of mine that are total NFL snobs wanted to talk CFL with me yesterday, just to talk about what this sort of mashup would look like. And, um, I, you know, look, I, I don't think the XFL, I don't think America wants to compete with the National Football League, so you can't. I, no, You're and hundred percent. But you also can't play in Regina in February, right? So, my thought, like talking to one guy close to the league, we were kind of spitballing last night. We both kind of thought we could see maybe a twelve game schedule as opposed to eighteen, maybe something April to August, and then maybe four weeks of playoffs where you have, you know, and you're kinda of your XF, your American team against your Canadian team in the championship. Probably four downs because of just making it more you know, easier to understand for an American audience. And then their Canadian ratio might be down to maybe two guys on each side um, for just the Canadian that, teams, That's I my think. biggest concern, yeah. is
9: what is this going to mean for Canadian content? And quite frankly, guys, how you talk to a lot of governors, you talk to a lot of GMs, you talk to a lot of coaches, especially if you talk to them off the record. They have very little, other than probably Mike O'Shea, because this is really important to him, they have very little care or regard for Canadian content. They're yes. like, why are we paying our, offen- our Canadian offensive linemen more than skilled guys and more than some of the stars? But they, the ripple effect of that and what it can mean for uh, university football, grassroots football, development of football in this country, etc., is huge. But quite frankly, for a long time now. And if you speak with people at the CFL Players Association, they'll be the first to tell you the CFL wants to reduce the number of Canadians on the roster. They want to reduce the number of starters. And if you're going to team up with a U.S. entity, uh, the whole labor law situation changes altogether from that regard, too. So this, that, that is going to be a consequence of this if it moves forward. Make well, no does, it not feel like preser-
1: does it not feel like self-preservation yeah. now here for, like, the, the CFL guys saying, like, look, yes, we understand the Canadiana, but, like, we're about surviving now, and so, you know, we kind of have but, to but eat our on, own. Hold we do. on,
9: hold on. If, if your existence, if your hope of survival is hinging on an agreement with, with, an, with an unproven entity, this ownership group, and I know they, they have money and I know they have, but an unproven entity and a league brand that has twice folded and in its folding lasted the first time it lasted one season, the second time it didn't last a full season. If your entire existence and it's in your future is hinges on this deal and this
4: deal only, then what's plan B if this falls through? Well, but Arash, I would argue they tried this in the 90s. It didn't work when you went to the States. So plan B was that didn't work. We'll just go However, back Perry, and have no, what we Perry, have, right?
9: Perry, they did not change the rules. No. Three-down football is not going to fly in the United States. No. So what? But, what is What is this partnership going to mean?
4: But Arash, they play four-down football here in, in, in B.C., you go to a high school game; it's four down football. I had to wrap my head around that a couple decades ago. What are you doing? And you try and look around to go, why are they doing this? Well, uh, that's that's kind of what we did. We played teams from Washington. If you're a good Canadian football player through high school, your dream is that scholarship. I would I mm-hmm. would argue that if we were to go around Abbotsford right now, you're going to find a lot more Pittsburgh Steeler hats than you are BC Lions. So the door 100%. for the kids developing, right? The door for the kids developing, they're not going to stop playing football. They might be enticed a little bit more. So, you know, you hate the Navy ratio of But at there. the same time,
9: I don't see those kids in Abbotsford coming to BC Place when the Houston Roughnecks roll into town because it's four down football and buying tickets for that.
0: Mm,
4: I don't know, man. The, the word is kids, Arash. The problem is not a lot of kids go to BC Place right now in any stadium when it's cfl football so maybe that you know that's why you have to talk to the rock and say how do we make it happen
9: yeah right. I'm, I'm, yeah i think gambling is a big part of this and i yes. think the u.s broadcast deal is a big part of this um and look the, randy ambrose has done a media tour for the last two days and he just continues to talk about exploratory conversations and we're seeing if all the recipes for the cake are working but what I'm telling you is these conversations are far down the road. And my wonder in all of this, and I think it's a fair one, I really do, based on the history of the XFL, is that in a year or two, and, and how many times, guys, have we seen ownerships in pro sports, not just football, um, they just decided to pull the pin on it. Tom Condon had the Alliance of American Football, the Carolina mm-hmm. Hurricanes owner. That thing didn't last a year. What spring league has has survived? What spring league has had succeeded. Um, None of them have, except for the CFL for what it is. And I get that The Rock was cut by Wally Buono, and I get that was the best moment of his life, blah, blah, blah. But the bottom line ends up being the bottom line. And, uh, you know, if if Redbird Capital walks away from this arrangement or the XFL, they continue about their merry way. Um, What happens to the to the teams in the CFL if that happens. What happens to the Canadian and the Canadian Football League if that happens? These are the questions I have.
1: Yeah, so I so I I believe that uh, you, exactly like you said, like the fact that they're this public about this conversation right now even though it's all vague just hey we're just talking we're just talking you know we really like what the rock's following on the, on instagram's great but yeah. i i but i'm convinced like i'm convinced this is going to happen so it's just a question of what this is going to look like a so give me give me a sense that look with all the with the with the concerns I, you know, you're right. Like, the CFL brings tradition, something that I think the XFL desperately craves, right? They want some continuity. The CFL's been able to do that for a century. Now, the XFL brings a bit of a shine that the CFL has been chasing for the last, what, 25, 30 years, just trying Which to find shine that something. What
9: did they bring, though, James? They've folded twice in the last 20 years.
1: Well, but would you not think, would you not think that, had COVID not hit, did you not think that version 2.0 of the XFL had something? No. You didn't think no. so. I, 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 I no. felt like it felt like it was more about football. It felt like it was nicely presented on with, with the broadcasters. So how many it. weeks
9: did they play? and this is where I'm going with this. How many yeah, weeks did they so play? So they got what did they get? Six Nine. weeks. Okay. Can you name me one player in that league? Like we're sports fans. I'm a football fan yeah. first. I yeah. could tell you S.J. Green because I know he left the CFL for there. I could tell you Mark Trussman and Jamie Elizondo, yeah, the coaches, the coaches. I couldn't tell you. I don't think I could tell you a player.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, there were I mean there were handfuls but, of guys that, that signed with NFL deals, but yes, in terms, yeah. off the top of my head, no, there's nobody there's nobody that uh, that won me over to say, man, that guy.
4: At the right. same time, guys, we've spent the last four or five years looking at the decline of, of people going to watch CFL football, right? I mean, they have that conversation in the prairies. My goodness, in, in Edmonton and Calgary, going, geez, we're not putting people in the seats. Like, how is that – where's the U-turn in that where all of a sudden people are excited if the CFL stays the same, right? The move has to be made or something. It may not be what people want, but, you know, we've got texts coming in here of going, hey, a, a coach in Victoria saying that no one talks CFL and I'm a
1: football coach.
4: What's the,
1: What's the best case scenario? What's the best case scenario? boys, Arash, you, I'm all think?
9: for I'm all for moving forward and doing different things. I am not all for going all in with the XFL, even with Evening. Dwayne Johnson's social media following and his pizzazz. Mm-hmm. I th- this is a massive risk, guys. Yep. And how much are you willing to? How much are you willing to give up? in terms of your identity, what you are um, and how Canadian you are just to do this with very little assurance of what's down the road. And I get COVID has changed a lot of things. But again, my question is this. Let's just say this falls apart after a year or two. Then what? Then what's left? Who picks up the pieces and how do you do it? If you've just lost $60 million when you didn't play, then, then where are you left? What's plan B? What's plan C? What are the other, other than the XFL thing, the, the CFL hasn't played for, you know, they announced almost a year ago, nine months ago. They're not going to play. What, okay, what else have you, What else do you have? What are the other business plans, business ideas you have for your model? Surely you have something other than just a partnership with a, with a twice-failed league, don't you?
1: You're going to expand to you? none of it. That's, you're going to expand in Nunavut and Moncton and uh, Saint John's, Newfoundland. What do you think there, Rash? All that expansion money to help save the league. All right.
4: <laughs> when, by the way, we should say when James says you 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 know got a paycheck from the league, it wasn't as an old lineman, right? We'll clarify that. But I love your passion. You don't want to let it go, right? And I, uh, I I understand, but boy, I think there's just a lot of people that have no interest, and there's a there's a I big agree with uh, you, right? I agree with you on that
9: front, but but let's look at more scenarios than just this one. Yeah, and it I, just it just feels like it just feels like they're looking for a magic bullet. Like a pro sports, guys, is not coffee. It's not instant coffee. It's not just add hot water and go. We can't just add the rock and that's going to save all our problems.
1: If you had to pick one, if there was one to keep, if if there was one more likely to stay, what do you think? Canadian ratio or 3 down football.
9: Uh 3 down football.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. I think that would I could see I could see that. I mean, there may awkward. be there
9: may be I think there'll be some component of a ratio, but nowhere near what it
1: is right now. No, I I agree with that. Hey, Arash, hey, listen, man, nice to catch up with you. Um, and and great stuff as always. And and you know what? I mean, the reality is, is we're, we're talking CFL football right now in March of 2021, and we have not done a whole lot of that over the last calendar year. So uh, thanks for taking the time this morning. Stay safe, bro. Thank you. You got it, boys. Always good. All right. There you go. Thank you. Uh, Rash Madani uh, weighing in uh, on uh, the future of the CFL and the possible mashup with the XFL. Hey, let, let's open up the phones here now. 604 280 0650. You know what? All this buzz about it, like, are you inclined to be curious or would you be engaged more with the cfl going forward if there is some sort of mashup with the xfl or has that ship sailed or do you say hard pass keep the cfl the way it is 604-280-0650 the number to call jump on in 604-280-0650 or you can also hit us up on the dunbar lumber text line as well your chance to sound off next here on Sportsnet 650
0: Back to life, back to reality, back to life, back to reality. This is the starting lineup with James Cebulski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Here's your Canucks in a song.
1: Soul to soul, this one coming out to uh, Fletch, the Lakers fan, with a little back to life. Back to reality for the Vancouver Canucks. They get pumped last night. 5-1 at Rogers Arena. Hey, phone lines are open now. If you want to jump on in, uh, we've been talking about the CFL and the XFL. Is this uh, making a deal with the devil and doom and gloom for the CFL, or is this uh, new life? 604-280-0650 is the number to call. He's Perry Solkowski. I'm James Cebulski. Reminder this hour, a presentation of our good friends at Surrey Honda. Visit Surrey Honda located at 152nd and Fraser Highway where you'll find quality and community how about uh tarned uh, texting in here pair at six fifty six fifty on the dunbar lumber text line tell a rash to stop hating hey seuss cfl's a joke the rock is a huge influence to help cfl and xfl
4: i understand where a rash is coming from um having worked in the front offices of, of the cfl teams and, and okay so the rock pulls it away what are you doing to the 100 plus years of tradition but the fact is, James, and our text line shows, and the fact that people are waiting to talk about it, is no one's talked about the BC lines. If we talk about the BC lines, they're going, come on, talk about the Canucks, even if it's the offseason, because people have lost interest in it. The, the best thing the CFL ever did was, and they said, you know what, we're going to go really Canadian. We're going with the we got bigger balls, and we're going to push it. Great push for a while, but it didn't work, and the NFL has only gotten bigger. you got to hit your wagon to that beast down south to make it viable right now, and most people feel that that's the play you have to make.
1: Jordan and Langley, uh, we think Canucks fans are negative. Listen to a rash. Uh, let's go to Joe in Maple Ridge. It is closer than you think. Right, Joe? Good morning.
6: It <laughs> sure is. Thanks for uh, the platform, guys. Hey, you know, I've been watching the CFL since I was a little kid. I remember the 94 great cop and all that stuff, and it did have its kind of swan song probably in the late 90s,
5: to be honest.
6: And, uh, you know, with the revival of the U.S. stuff. And, but here's the thing The Rock is a sure thing. He's a proven gold standard on how to be well liked and well known in the U.S. And that's the market that, you know, we, we want to break into um, with these kids. They're watching the U.S. product. I'm guilty. I watch Seahawks. I watch NFL far more than I ever watch CFL um you know i i watched the xfl's product last year it was fantastic that seattle team had some names on it i can't recall them right now because it was only a few games yeah. but i'll tell you what they had something there and if you link up with a guy like the rock look what he does he has okay. the midas touch it, it's a hey, joe thing.
4: why did you stop going it sounds like you've stopped going to cfl games why
6: in all honesty i live out in maple ridge uh and commuting into the to be place is a nightmare uh, the cost wasn't prohibitive of, of what the product was. Do you know what I mean? I went to that game where it was Wally's last game, and, and there was a few thousand people there, and, and the team was awful, and, you know, love all that. But I just I went there, and I had my, my son with me, and I just didn't feel like the dollars for the product I was receiving matched up. You know, it, it just was missing this. I don't know. It didn't have that panache. Fair That's
1: all. No, I appreciate the call there, Joe. And and that's, no, I, I think that's that's the thing. I think costs sometimes don't necessarily, and the atmosphere, man, Like you know, hey, look, I think we can all agree, you know, BC Play Stadium is just simply too big for this market. Like, honestly, how often do you get 60,000 yeah. people in that stadium? That uh, opens up a phone line, 604-280. If you want to, uh, 604-280-0650. Let's go to Spencer, also out in Maple Ridge. Uh, good morning, Spencer. Hey, how you doing, guys? Good. Good, Spencer.
2: Good, good. hey, I, I, I miss meaningful dc lions games i miss them very much uh and i you know i tried to go as much as i could and yeah i moved out to maple ridge so a little further away like joe previously and you know i used to be closer and 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 started a young family which of course is prohibitive at times so i tried to go as much as i could but a couple points because i was yelling at the radio when a rash was on and i like a rash's passion and a couple points um that i want to make I mean, I've, I've, I've played and coached football in both forms. And Perry, I get, I get the, the resistance of some people when they come to BC about why do you play four down football in high school and there's tradition and the history to it. But if you've played and coached both, and I, and I, I apologize to the CFL purists four down football is more interesting. It's more fun. I like it better. And I, and I, if they go to four downs, I'm all for it with the, with this merger. Um, the other piece is I, I've lived in the lower mainland and I've lived in, in, in Alberta and, in Lower Mainland, there's two kind of fans I've always run into: the NFL snobs, the NFL like they puff their chest and, and yep. wear wear it like a big honor. And yeah, somehow, oh, I'm an NFL fan. I don't watch the CFL. I was like, well, you, you know, if you haven't seen a fun CFL game, a meaningful Lions game, you're missing out. And, I, and I'm sorry for you. Uh, the other piece in Alberta when i is the other is the opposite. The the NFL is uh, they're they're just in it for the money. It's not as exciting. It's not a, and you know, like somehow the, the CFL's, you know, sponsored by the local hardware store or something like that. No. And, and I think the fact that the NFL and college football in the States has become pass first, exciting, let's run up the score, let's get after it kind of offense as opposed to the four yards in the cloud as it, it used to be, that's mm-hmm. no longer an argument. And I, I enjoyed some of the XFL rules they put in. I think some of them were a little bit silly, but they're, they're trying new stuff and I, I was all for it. Um, and one last point and I'll, and I'll shut up here. Cause I, I was, like I said, I was, I was getting after it with a rash yelling at him to let him know. When I, went. <laughs> I like passion. it's good. If you talk to him, um, the, uh, the one thing I would change, the one thing the CFL does better than the NFL is the clock. I like stopping the clock at the end of the game. You're never out of it. Um, as much as clock management, people love to harp on that, is really not that difficult to understand how to manage the clock in the NFL at the end of the game, even though some coaches still screw it up. Um, but I, I mean, I like everybody else. Hate the two-minute warning, run a running, run you know one running play. The team doesn't have any timeouts, and I'm just going to take a knee, and 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 that's you know we'll all shake hands and walk off the field with uh, 35 seconds left. So. That's what I would keep, um, but the rest of it. And all right, I, I made a lot. You guys, your guys show, so I won't take yeah, over. Yeah, our
4: clock is our clock is screwed now. But thanks,
2: <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the time, guys. Thanks.
1: Thanks, Spencer. Well, the lesson the lesson we've learned here is Maple Ridge isn't closer than you think, here, Peter, But <laughs> no, but, you, but I like that. I, I like that passion. And and you know, look, can you can you convince? I think the one thing that Vince McMahon and his two attempts with the XFL was to try to create an alternative to the NFL, try to dig in those NFL fans, but also try to create something a little bit differently. I wonder how much of an allure there is from an XFL standpoint to say, "Let's go three-down football," right? I don't like. I don't think the, the four, I don't think going no. to four downs is the death of the Canadian Football League here, but um, I think there's ways to make it work. Um, but I do think that there'll be way more of an adaptation. If you're looking at the going into an, an, an American market and really trying to make a play here for long-term viability, Pair, I think four downs, just it's easier to spell out to an audience of 300 million compared to 38 million here in this country.
4: To Spencer's point and, and two very thoughtful calls, and we appreciate it. The game has changed. I mean, those, those two guys sounded like, you know, they, they loved watching BC Line football. Life gets in the way, and you know what's easy? To turn in your TV on Sunday and watch a whole bunch of football all day long. You'll find something. But to Spencer's point, it used to be the way. I'm not going to watch an NFL game because it's going to be 6-3. There's just a ground and pound of football. You watch Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, did they ever run the ball? He's thrown the football 50, 60 times in a game. So the NFL game, with all the marketing they have had, with all the stars they have had, it's become a more exciting game, too. So, uh, you know, I, I know I understand a rash, and I understand the people who are texting in three down football, it's more fun. You know what? The NFL game has changed. It's more of a game. Look, look how Justin Herbert comes in and just slinging all the way. So it, it's letting go. And I think that's where a rash had problems. How do you let go? And that's where the negotiations would be so interesting to what do you give up if you're giving up your Canadian game? Totally.
1: And, and look, what's, what's the financial future, right? Like the, the three biggest markets in the country have been a struggle for the Canadian football league here on this side of the border for the last, you know, several, several years. Right. I mean, and you had teams that how many teams are ready to go, uh, go under? I mean, You know, the BC Lions, you know, attendance dwindling. They've had a hard time trying to sell this team. David Braley wanted to try to recoup some of the losses that he's put into the team and people only willing to pay a certain price. Let's uh, A lot of great texts here on the Dunbar Lumber text line. Let's get to some of these here at 650-650 pair. Um, Here's one text here. Mike's uh, texting in, guys, I think you really got to listen to what the options are. It would be foolish to do a hard pass on the XFL. The issue I see with the CFL, and this is even pre-pandemic, is that the CFL fan demographic is aging and they aren't bringing in many younger fans and the league isn't very popular outside of a few markets if partnering with the CXFL can help address these issues then that's something that I think you've got to at least explore for the long term sustainability of the league 100% this is why they're going down that road look they they don't have the money to create a a video game and I always thought it was a failing uh, that the CFL couldn't get their teams in as part of you know the Madden video game from EA Sports uh, I always thought that was a mispair. Uh, to just get those teams in, whatever the cost may be. Uh, it's just the, the brand awareness to have those options for the millions and millions of people that play Madden each and every year. But uh, look, my only concern is this with The Rock. Like for everybody to say, hey man, Dwayne Johnson, man, his brand. It's not like he's going to be posting uh, Instagram stories daily about the league. You know what I mean? Like this guy is a major mm-hmm. Hollywood star. He's got a lot of different interests but he was talking about the league yesterday. And so for people who had never even heard of the league before, they've heard about the CFL now based on a fact that he's got a following of almost a quarter of a billion people.
4: Well, that's exactly it. And, you know, Randy Ambrosi has been going around. and He's been in our studios talking about CFL 2.0. We're going to Germany. We're going to Mexico. That's great. You went to spots that the NFL wasn't reaching out to because they don't have to reach out to anybody. But he's known by his conversations and his town halls. How do you get young people in? Jordan texts in on the Dunbar Lumber text line. I think it's the best thing that could happen to the CFL. My generation, the 25 and under club, we don't like the Canadian rules. We're much more interested in the NFL rules. Merge the two, bring in American rules into the CFL. Have a Canadian division, an American division. Let's make the games more exciting for younger fans to grow the game in Canada. We've talked about it a long time, James. If somehow you were affiliated and kind of essentially an AHL of the NFL and you see a kid play in BC and you see him playing four down football and the next thing you know he's strapping it up for the Saints or he's playing for the Dolphins how much do we love a decade of Cam Wake ripping it up in BC in a couple years and then going watching and making the big money chasing down quarterbacks in the NFL we love that he loved the game you have to make a change, and this might be the easiest way to get it done. Man,
1: it's so funny. You know, I see all the Johnny-come-latelys that you know sit there and hate on the CFL, but then a guy who's had some CFL success, they go sell. Oh, yeah, that was one of us, man. That was one of us, bro. Uh, hey, I want to get to a call. Uh, let's go to the island. Dorn is in Victoria. Good morning, Dor- Doran. You're on Sportsnet 650. What are you bugging about today, man? What are you kicking me in the butt about today?
9: Well, I just, uh, <laughs> <it> just, <laughs> you got me there. Um, just to comment on the CFL. I'm a high school football coach. And it's sad to say, but the CFL is completely irrelevant to our kids. Like I can literally talk to one
2: kid that I coach on the CFL.
9: And I think this move has to be done. It's just a necessity to move forward. And uh, yeah, that's all I got.
1: Doran thank you very much I uh, appreciate you dropping in and and that's the thing man like that that is the the biggest problem and I think Randy Ambrosi has been talking about trying to address this for five years right and obviously the league has been striking out like Tom Wright I remember talking to Tom Wright when he was a commissioner pair Doran thanks so much for calling in and that's it like talking yeah. talking to kids about the CFL you know uh, my buddy Mike the other day was talking his daughter loves football and he was talking I think about G Roy Simon man G Roy Simon is probably the greatest you know receiver in in this in CFL history I mean the guy was unbelievable and his daughter's reaction to him was why wasn't he in the cf why wasn't he in the nfl if the he was NFL. so good right and that's that sort of mindset for for some kids james
4: our text line is blown up and i am shocked at the number of people that are saying they have been cfl fans for decades so i'm gonna just sign your text please. said they've loved the cfl for 45 years but they understand it's time to make that move so, Randy Ambrosie, you have that power. Listen, I, no one has said, no, don't go there. Maybe it's a business decision with the bottom line and the dollars being a big factor, but it's time to make that move. And judging on a sports radio show where everyone just wants to talk Canucks, the number of people that have shown an interest, you mentioned it yesterday, we had a conversation in my house with someone under 25 going, hey, that might work. That might be the biggest carrot for Randy Ambrosi in this league to say, guys, we've got to make this move.
1: Okay, we got to take a quick break. Uh, some final thoughts before we turn things over uh, to the Scott Rintoul Show. who will have much more on this, I'm sure, at the top of the clock here on Sportsnet 650.
0: This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Here's your Canucks in a song.
1: This was a request and a dedication for Vance in the Loops, who needed to hear some Usher this morning as his uh, Canucks in a song. Sobalski, Sokowski, we got to get out of here in just a couple of moments, but uh, a very spirited discussion. Man, unbelievable to see how many people texting in on the future of uh, the Canadian Football League. But, uh, you know. Surprise. Yeah. Uh, it, very passionate conversation this morning. Appreciate a rash dropping by. I appreciate everybody calling in, everybody texting in here uh, so much in terms of, uh, yeah, and, and I think a lot of people are just kind of saying, look, let's see what they got because I'm open to a fresh start for a league that has completely become stale in their minds. Look, man, like I, I'm 46, and pair, I feel like I am in the minority of buddies uh, at my age that like the CFL. Like anybody younger than I am, I do not. Uh, you know, outside of Tim James at News Eleven Thirty, I don't know, if, you know. I don't know anybody who's really into the CFL younger than me. I mean, R- uh, Rintoul here is a CFL guy, Walker to a degree, but I don't know if any of the other guys here at this station, like you know, big news happens. Like I don't know. Like did any of the other shows really touch on what was going on here yesterday?
4: No, um, and you listen, and you had your, your CFL podcast, and I did some TSN work on the sidelines, and I grew up in a CFL city of Edmonton, but James, it lost me when I came out here. Like, it really did lose me, and maybe that's because I got so into fantasy football and the NFL and being closer here to, to Seattle, but I'm one of those guys. I don't think I've been to a game in about three years with my family. I laugh at this one. We went to the last Grey Cup game, which is, I think, 2011, and there's a guy sitting in front of me who goes, Starts talking to him he goes, hey, I want to buy you a beer. And he's nice enough. We're having a long conversation. He goes, I haven't seen him on TV for a while ago. And he was from Edmonton thinking, I haven't seen you in Edmonton for a while ago. Yeah, i kind of been here for about 16 years. So it kind of, you know, you got to evolve. And the CFL and their fan base has been there. But judging by the calls and the text line, people love the sport, but they're ready to move on. This is a Canucks town, but unfortunately, it would just die off when this team was finished for the year. Now maybe they'd go, hey, okay, the Canucks are finished. What do we got from the XFL or CFL or whatever it's called? Uh, Maybe there is a passion that can be unearthed if there's some changes made.
1: I I, I covered the last two Grey Cups I covered in 2016 and 2017, I think it was, and that was the – the Argos uh, or the or Toronto hosting the Grey Cup one year and like there was zero buzz like the it was completely dead in terms of any sort of vibe and buried and even in Ottawa which is a which is a thriving CFL market you know it wasn't overly electric in the city for Grey Cup weekend and so you know, whatever the case, I think the CFL's gotta do whatever they can to try to find a way to attract new viewers and you clearly missed forty years and forty uh, you know, forty years of football fans. Okay, look, we gotta get out of here. We're back at it tomorrow. Ron McLean will drop by and join the show. Uh the Scott will show coming your way next. And Scotty will have probably much, much more on this discussion and more. Uh Brendan Morrison also dropping by from the West Coast Express. The uh, the weakest link of the West Coast Express pair. Right? Just gotta oh, don't out, right?
4: do that to Mo.
1: <laughs> Straight up solid money, Mo. Uh, we got to get out of here. You got it locked in here on your home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650.